is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney, he is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. What a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, August 15, in this difficult summer of 2020. Colorado burning up, trees getting destroyed, towns in danger, our country in peril from coronavirus and from the failed leadership of Donald J. Trump. Rick Riley is one of the best guests I've ever had on. He knows Trump inside and out. I had him scheduled to be on Denver Talk Radio last November, but management at CanUS could not allow that. No truth about Trump, please. Funny thing about Denver Trump Radio is how they really don't want to talk about this buffoon who could not even pronounce Yosemite. Can you imagine? Yosemite? Yosemite? Can you imagine what they would do on talk radio if Barack Obama said something that stupid. But what should Donald Trump know about Yosemite? It's just a place with a lot of trees. And what does Donald Trump know about trees other than they get in the way a lot of the time? When you play golf at Trump Washington National, which is actually just across the Potomac from D.C. and Virginia, Trump butchered hundreds of great trees on the bank of the Potomac to give his golfers a better view of the river that Washington once crossed. He paid a big fine, but the trees remained down. Our country may be going down if Donald Trump gets his second term. Rick Riley does not want that to happen. Jenna Griswold needed to be a little more careful in her commentary. She's the Colorado Secretary of State, and she joins me in an epic session of Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Jenna wants to make sure that the votes are fairly counted. Donald Trump, not so much. That's why he's messing with the post office. Can you imagine? I thought nothing stopped the U.S. mail, but nobody saw Donald Trump coming when that expression went out. My troubadour, Dave Gunders, has the perfect song for this week. It's about a poor tree that got chopped down. The song is called Notwithstanding. And you will love it. I also have the perfect poem for this week in Craig's Poetry Corner. A first, but not a last. A poem called Good Timber. You will love it. And then toward the end of this show, my departure from KNUS, which left a bad taste in my mouth. I'll be discussing that distaste throughout the show, but mainly at the end, in episode one of a segment I call Craig versus Can US and the personalities thereon. I make the case against those Trumpsters who want no part of a real discussion of impeachment or the Ukrainian shakedown or now watch them avoid Michael Cohen. Man, is that book going to be good? I just finished the book by Mary Trump. Have you heard that discussed on Trump Radio? John Bolton wrote a great book, but they act like he never existed, even though he was a fellow conservative. Trumpsterism trumps everything else. 
Donald Trump is a very bad man. Let's talk about it with Rick Riley. Oh, what a world, what a day, what a life has been led by our next guest. I'm a big fan. When I was going to CU Law School in Boulder, I think that's right when he was starting with the Boulder Daily Camera in the late 1970s. He moved on to the Denver Post, then Sports Illustrated, the superb back page columnist, one of the greatest sports writers of all time. You don't have to take my word for it. He's been voted National Sports Writer of the Year. 11 times over that career that began in the late 70s. Rick Riley, what an honor to speak with you. It just reminded me of I was going to CU, but I had a job. I had a full-time job at the Boulder Camera. And so I'd be up all night writing, because in those days, the Boulder Camera was an afternoon paper. So I'd be up writing all this stuff till two in the morning for the, for the paper for all the editors to catch. <laughs> and then in the morning, I'd I'd go to bed at three and I'd have to wake up for a seven o'clock journalism class and see you about the penny whistle press. And then I'd go back and put out the paper. That was crazy times. I know it. Did you grow up in Boulder? Yes. Whereabouts? Yeah, I grew up in North Boulder, sort of those the very small houses out there. <laughs> out there in North Boulder. I went to Sacred Heart of Jesus all the way through ninth and then Boulder High School. It was it was a it was a great town. Was, you could you could just ride your bike everywhere. I mean, I, my mother never took, took us anywhere. We had to ride our bike. Right. What a town Boulder was. We had everything but good football then. You got to cover, what, the Chuck Fairbanks era? Yeah, and he, he couldn't, the, the coaches couldn't call Fairbanks before noon because he had to work the stock market. Wow. <laughs> it was incredible. The coaches were trying to get things done. And he says, don't call me before noon. And then I remember he got there and spent 50 grand redoing his office. He was so not into it. He turned the uniforms blue. That, to me, I'll never forget. That was just unforgivable. And not even a masculine blue. It was kind of like a, a robin's egg blue. It was horrible. UCLA blue. It was horrible. I remember. <laughs> That's true. It was usually. And never forget, Craig, we lost to Drake twice. Oh, I think I was there. But not for long. That was really pretty miserable time at Folsom Field. But... Rick Riley, I've got to get to the bone I have to pick with you because your book kind of ruined me. And I knew it was going to. I heard people talk about your book, Commander and Cheat, How Golf Explains Trump. And I've been a golfer all my life. And I read your book and I never felt the same way about Donald Trump again. Do you get that a lot? Yeah, most people read it because they, they, they love golf and they they want to laugh instead of cry about Trump. And then they sort of like, oh, my God, I had no idea he was such a miscreant. I mean, just the golf cheating, just the idea that his caddies carry foreign green teas so that, so that he can, they can tee him up in the rough. Just the idea that he kicks other people's balls into the bunker if you're playing against him. Just the idea that he says he's a three when he's more like a 12 and yet has to take seven, eight, ten mulligans around in order to support it. I mean, that's just the, that's just the playing. The rest of it was plenty of stuff in the other book about how he bullies and tries to strong arm people to get higher rankings for his course, for his courses, how he says he's won club championships where he wasn't even in the tournament. I mean, he says he's won 20 club championships. I've never been able to prove a single one, 
Most of them were done when the course wasn't even open. And he told me that. He said, I just play it. But I play the first championship by myself, and I'm the winner, just like that. And then he kind of starts to believe he's a champion. Well, I have one bone to pick with you on that because he does count so-called senior championships or super senior. I doubt if he really even won those. But look, I only have two in my life, Meadow Hills in 79 and Walsher seniors in 2009. And you may be taking one of mine away. (laughs) Well, did you ever come into the clubhouse at Meadow Hills and you weren't even there for the senior, super seniors tournament, whatever it was, and go, oh, Joe Schmertz won? I beat him all the time. Make me the champion. And suddenly Joe Schmertz's name comes down and yours gets to go up. Have you ever done that trick? Because he's done that a lot. No, because Trump does things that are unimaginable. And you've been playing golf your whole life. And I urge people to get this book, Commander and Cheat, because you are one of the best writers on the planet. You will laugh. You will cry. But you will learn a lot. And you completely undressed Donald Trump. And it it makes him unlikable. And you can tell that he's got a mental disorder. You you expose that in the book beautifully. (laughs) Well, the thing is, he is fun to play with, but it's not golf. You're playing through two or three groups. You're playing so fast. He never putts out. You have to putt yours out if it means anything. He's always way ahead of you because he gets his own cart with his own caddy. And so he's way out there in front. And he kicks and foozles it and tees it up. And next thing you know, he's telling you he made a four when you know it's a six. And so he doesn't, he, he, as long as you pay him at the end, here's your 20 bucks, then he's sort of affable and charming and he buys cheeseburgers and tells Whopper of, you know, he's kind of like your crazy uncle at Thanksgiving. He's like, yeah, I used to drink with Sinatra and I slept with Marilyn Monroe. And you're like, tell us more. You know, he's just loving it because it's all bald. But then he became the most powerful man in the world. Now it's really rather scary. And so when I say that the golf explains Trump, there's no better example, Craig, than COVID. Because in golf, Trump wants the lowest number, no matter how much he has to cheat to get it, no matter how much he has to lie. He doesn't care. He wants the lowest number. That's what he wants with COVID. So when he says, we stop testing, then there'd be less cases. And then he'd have a lower number. Or he'll have his his staff hand him a chart where it looks like we are the least per capita deaths when we're, in fact, we're by far the most per capita. He doesn't care. He doesn't care who gets hurt. He doesn't care about the truth. He just wants the lowest number. It's just like golf. Right. He doesn't want to count all his strokes. It's unbelievable, Rick. You kind of expose something that I've come to realize every time Donald Trump talks about numbers, he makes stuff up. He either exaggerates or he minimizes. It's incredible. The guy cannot be trusted with any number. Right. Well, in in golf, you know, since we've known him for 35 years, we always called it the Trump bump. So the Trump bump works however he wants it to work. Hey, he sees Lee Trevino one day in his course. Lee, what'd you shoot out here today? And Trevino goes, oh, I shot 73. Oh, let me introduce you around. Because, you know, it's a borrowed glory with him. He, if, if somebody's famous, he, he shows you around. And now he's sort of basking because now you're famous, he's famous. So, hey, Lee, this is Lee Trevino, greatest golfer of all time, just shot 69. And Trevino looks at him. 
And then the next guy, this is Lee Trevino, just shot a 66. And, she, <laughs> and he says to me, Rick, I had to get out of there before I set the course record. So, so he'll say his, his building in Trump Tower is 58 floors, so therefore it's four floors bigger than the GE building. But in fact, it's 48 floors. He skipped the 20s simply so he could say he had a taller building. And that's funny, I guess, except when there was a fire and the fire department said it's on the, you know, the fire's on the 34th floor. And they're like, what? There's no fire on the 34th floor because they're counting. And so now people's lives are in danger. That's sort of the perfect metaphor for Donald Trump doesn't care about you. He only cares how he looks to you. Right. And one illustration that Donald Trump goes beyond the bounds of just normal cheating. We've all seen that in golf, but very few people, I would say less than 1% of all the golfing population, would ever even think to do something to an opponent's golf ball. But this guy did it. And with a famous foursome, you wrote about it. I can't forget it. Mike Tirico, Ron Jaworski, <laughs> John Gruden. Tell everybody what happened right. there. Well, it's Gruden and Trump versus Jaworski and Tirico. And they're at uh, Trump Philadelphia. And, you know, it's a $10 bet, whatever it is, 10, 10, 10 or something. And uh, Rico hits this fantastic, I think it was a five wood up to a blind par five. Well, Trump's always 152 yards, 200 yards ahead of you. So Rico and his caddy are like, that's the best shot of the day. I mean, he'll be punting for Eagle. Great shot. And, you know, Mike's about a 12 handicap. And, but when they get there, it's not on the green. And, they're looking all over. They look in the hole, and then they finally look in the bunker way left, and it's in the bunker. And they're like, how the hell did this happen? And then he leaves one in the bunker and knocks it out, makes a double bogey, three putts. And they're like, how did that happen? And then later, the caddy told them that Trump had kicked the ball into the bunker. And put his own ball where Tariqo was. <laughs> and, uh... Where Tariqo's was. Yeah. Oh, he's famous for that. One time he hit a ball, like a $50 bet, rather bigger bet. He, he hits a second shot into the pond. Everybody sees the splash. By the time they get there, the ball's now outside the pond, sitting on the fairway. And they're like, Donald, what the hell? And he goes, must have been the tide. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. But you did such great research. You went to the Muni course that he used to play when he went to Wharton in Philadelphia. Sounds a little like our beloved City Park in Denver. By the way, was City Park the source for your great book, Missing Links? Well, start with start with Missing Links was about four guys playing the worst golf course in America and a bet they make to get on the best one. And that was that was a combination. So my brother my brother grew up playing Lake Valley. And back when they used to call it Snake Valley, it was much worse back then. In North Boulder, right? North Boulder. And they played eightsomes and they had all kinds of bets and they had all these crazy guys that couldn't hit it higher than the underside of a Buick, <laughs> but, but they, you know, and everybody had nicknames. And so they were called the chops. And so then I went and played, well, I was trying to find the worst course in the country was outside Boston called Ponky. And those guys did the same thing, betting, betting, having lots of laughs. You know, you had to leave a guy with $3 for hamburger money, but mostly they would take everything you had and, that's what Cobb's Creek is like, where, where Trump grew up. Cobb's Creek is famous for hustlers, cheaters, 
guys playing for 50 bucks when they only got five bucks in their pocket, fights in the parking lot. And Trump grew up with this idea of golf that you just cheat. You have an extra ball in your pocket. Uh, you step on the other guy's ball, whatever it takes. And somehow he got the idea that this was golf. And it's not at all golf, but it fit in perfectly with what his dad wanted from him and the other, and the other brothers, which is just win. Win at all costs. I wanted, I wanted to come home to a table full of winners. He never said anything about, but do it fairly and, and be a sport about it and play by the rules. He never said anything like that. And so the golf is the perfect place for a cheater to cheat because Craig, if you're a hundred yards across the fairway, you're just going to, you're going to trust me because we have no referees and you can't see what I'm doing, that I'm going to play it as it lies. And I'm going to trust you. It's a game of honor, but that's not how he, that's not how Trump grew up playing it. And so therefore he not only gets to cheat, but it's the easiest game to cheat at. And he gets to cheat like a mafia accountant. I know it, but doesn't he rationalize it? Didn't he, at one point explain, and gosh, he confessed a lot to you back when you guys were pals, but was his attitude and belly, well, everybody else is cheating, so I'm going to cheat better than them and do it preemptively. Well, he didn't say that, but I had three people say the same exact, they all said he says the same thing when they catch him cheating. They're like, Donald, what the hell? You can't kick the ball out of the rough. And he, he always looks at them and he gives them the same line, which is, hey, I cheat on my wife. I cheat on my taxes. You don't think I'm going to cheat on golf at my own course? <laughs> and they say it verbatim, all three of these guys who didn't know each other. So that's what he says. And it's kind of funny, but it's also sort of diabolic. It really is. You talk about meeting Donald Trump at the AT&T at Pebble Beach. What a setting. He was married to Marla Maples. You wrote about him and who's your caddy when you were supposed to caddy for him, but instead he said, hey, you're going to play today, and you played golf with him, I think, a few times. What did you think of Donald Trump? Did you ever think he would become the leader of the free world? <laughs> you know, that'd be like saying, yeah, I knew Pee Wee Herman. I never dreamed, you know, that he would become, you know, the head of the United Nations. No. We just thought he was a big, a blustery blowhard of a billionaire who was kind of fun. I mean, I can remember covering him on the USFL, and he signed Doug Flutie. And then he sued the – get this. He sues the other owners because they, they, he wants them to pay Flutie's salary for him. And they're like, what the hell are you talking about? And he's like, no. This signing Flutie saved the league. And without me signing Flutie, you don't have a team. So therefore, you should have to pay his salary for me. Wait a minute. We're going to let you, we're going to have to beat you with Flutie and pay his salary. So the, the, the crazy, the crazy thing about him was always like, yeah, he's the best quote around. It's all a bunch of lies. You got to fact check everything, but he's fun, whether it's boxing, golf. USFL, whatever, it's a great quote to see him coming. But then he starts running for president. And we're like, wait a minute, you never did that. That's a lie. You didn't win 20 club championships. What other lies are you telling? But then for some reason, people didn't see through the lies. And we're like, no, we know this guy. He's full of crap. But somehow he got elected. And we're like, oh, this is a nightmare. 
When I think about funny, I think about Rick Riley. But Donald Trump, he's the furthest thing from funny now. Has it gotten serious for you, Rick Riley? Yeah, it got it got serious for me when he started running and saying that Mexico was sending rapists and that John McCain is somehow dishonored because he got captured. This coming from a guy who took five deferments on bone spurs in one of his feet, and he's changed the foot. He can't remember which foot he lied about. <laughs> I mean, I, I know I'm still laughing, but really I'm crying. It's not been funny. I, I think it's terrifying on every level. Climate, immigration, economy, COVID, our standing in the world. I mean, imagine this, Craig. Like, we, we love Italy. We, we go to Italy every year for two or three months. We can't go. We are the world's lepers because this COVID thing is an inverse function to how good your leadership is. The, the countries with the best leaders who, who jumped on it right away, those countries are through it. New Zealand, Taiwan, they're through it. We have the worst leader, and we're just heading into probably the worst fall and winter since the Spanish flu of 1918, even though he always wants to say 1917. So that's not funny. None of this is funny now. And I, I've, I've just, I thought at some point along this term that he would quit because he, when you start getting called to the, on the carpet by the, the New York district court, by people saying, you know, your, your foundation is a, a cheat, your university is a cheat. How did you get this money that you use to buy all these golf courses when you, you're the king of debt and you just paid cash. Where'd that come from? I thought he would quit just to get them off his back. He's not quit. And to our great regret, he's still in the White House. Well, let me ask you this, because golf brings out character. Was Trump the kind of guy who would walk off the course if he was playing bad? Or did that never happen because he controlled the, the pencil? You know what I mean? Some guys walk away. Did Trump have a history of doing that in golf? Well, no, he's 80 proof. He's like vodka. He's 80 proof. So he'll just keep cheating, penciling you to death, taking 10 foot putts, saying he was going to make it. With me, he took a gimme chip in. He said, oh, I was, uh, he picked it up. Like, so you're saying you would have made that chip in because, you know, you're not a very good chipper. And he's like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, I make those all the time. I think that was golf history. I've never heard of a gimme chip in. So, yeah, he's, he's never going to walk off the course. Now, People say, well, how do, you know he, how do you know he cheats? Well, I've seen him. Well, yeah, but he's a pretty good golfer. Well, no, he isn't. When he's playing on TV, he's an average golfer. Played in Pebble Beach seven times. That's on TV. He never came close to making the cut. He played the Lake Tahoe Celebrity Challenge three times. He never came close to being in the top half. So when there's TV and rules guys and people that are going to call him out because it's not his course, then he's just a, you know, 10 to 12 handicap who's fine, but he's not this champion who's won 20 club championships. And that's kind of the same thing with the presidency. He's not a president. He's faking most of it. You can watch him just make crap up as he talks. He doesn't need to read his briefings. He doesn't know the first thing about what's going on. And yet he gets up and says crazy crap like, hey, put disinfectant in your body. That'll cure it. I mean, it's uh, if it were a novel, I'd be like, this is too over the top. But it's real. You knew the man. You still do. You watch him. 
Is he going downhill? Do you see a mental breakdown at all? No, I see the same guy. I see the same guy. He he doesn't take advice. He doesn't listen to people. He 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 sits around on Twitter all morning till noon and just he's a you know what he would be, Craig, if he weren't the president? He'd be a troll. I mean, I got a hundred of them, thousand of them say, you know, after me. Anybody anybody in the public eye has trolls. He is a troll who just says crazy crap, retweets crazy crap, retweets racist crap, has no idea what he's doing. Like he, he'll retweet or like he retweeted the other day some guy hollering a white nationalist catchphrase and he's so dumb he didn't even realize what the guy was saying so i mean that's who's our president so it's i mean do you think he's gonna win again i don't god i hope i, I, I wouldn't put anything past this guy it's unbelievable what are pga pros attitude toward donald trump i mean what a slap in the face he buys Doral. they have the tournament for decades and the PGA said, no, we can't play here anymore. Well, what happened was he bought Doral, which had had the Doral open since 1965. And, you know, he's got 18 golf courses. Well, right away, he, what he really wanted, and the same reason he bought Turnberry in Scotland, he wants a tour stop. So that's why he bought Doral. He wants to be around pros. He really does know pro golf. He watches it all the time. And so he bought Doral. And so what does he do? He buzzes the place with his jet to make sure they know he's arrived. He shows up in his supercharged golf cart, drives it right down the middle of the fairway while guys are playing. He's hanging around on the range. Hey, DJ, good to see you. Tags, what's going on? They're just bothering these guys, and they hate to be bothered while they're practicing. And worse than that, he hogged all the publicity. The tournament was being sponsored by Cadillac. Cadillac suddenly realized it was the Trump show. It wasn't Cadillac at all. They pulled out. The tour couldn't get anybody to sponsor it because who wants to play second fiddle to Donald Trump? So the, tur- the tournament jumped the wall to Mexico. And now the tournament's in Mexico. And this happened during his presidency. So the, the guys on tour were kind of hilariously going, uh, we actually jumped the wall the other way. Now, speaking of jumping the wall, this election, if it doesn't go right, I think the people are fed up with Donald Trump, but I worry that he still has this scorecard and a pencil. How bad is he going to yes. cheat Rick Riley? He's playing games with the post office. My God, the post office. I worry about the courts. I think that Bill Barr may start indicting some enemies. We've seen his Kanye West strategy, even here in Colorado getting Kanye to, to run. How many different cheating methods do you anticipate as he tries to win re-election? <laughs> well, that's the thing about his, the cheating with the golf, is, is you can see it with the presidency. It's such smart cheating. I mean, it's, it's like the idea of, wait a minute, I got an idea. I'm going to lose this election unless I can somehow, because people can't get to the polls because of the COVID. I'm going to lose this election, but maybe if people can't get their ballots mailed. I know what I'll do. I'll fire the postmaster general, put in my donor buddy. And the first thing the donor buddy does is get into office and start cutting like crazy so that perhaps by November and October, they won't be able to deliver the the ballot. So what you're, and that's, that's exactly what he admitted to the other day, accidentally, 
That's why he did it. Same as that's exactly why he doesn't want testing because the numbers are too high. So by saying that, he he thinks he's going to be able to control the, the number of votes that come in. But it gets worse, Craig. It gets worse. He's not saying he will accept the loss if he loses. So what does that mean? That's how coups start. Right. That's how you get a fascist government when they go, okay, the press is lying. That election was rigged. I'm not going to ratify it. Therefore, I'm still in office. And here are the generals to explain to you how the rules are going to be. So after, what, 250 years of democracy, we are suddenly looking at, at the possibility of a guy pulling a coup. This is how coups happen. People are always like, oh, it could never happen here. Are you kidding? It's happened everywhere but here almost. So this could easily be his strategy. I would hope the generals do not buy this because so far the generals have said, no, that's not what's happening at all. So we hope that holds true. But, you know, I, I read a lot of history and nobody sees a dictatorship coming. But this is exactly where it starts. The press taking over the elections and then taking over the military and the Justice Department. Right. It's frightening as hell. You know so much about the media. What about your experience promoting your book, Commander in Chief, how golf explains Trump? Did Rush Limbaugh reach out to you? He's a famous golfer. I doubt it. Anybody on Fox News? What was your experience as you undressed Donald Trump did people in the press want to hear about it? And what about the conservative aspect of the press? Yeah, so I did not get a call from Fox. I did not get a call from Rush Limbaugh, even though I've met him a few times. Because the, the, the problem with this, Craig, is there's just so many witnesses to the cheating. There's just so many. In fact, after the, after the hardcover came out, I must have got, I don't know, 100 text emails from people who wanted to talk. Even people that I had spoken to and said they had no stories, and they said, oh, you missed this. Don't forget this. This happened. This happened. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. You said you didn't have any stories when I called you the first time. And he goes, yeah, I don't want the most powerful man on, on earth mad at me. So I said, well, now you have stories? And they said, yeah. And so they, they told me so many stories that I had to add a, a, an extra chapter to the paperback. So there's too many witnesses for anybody to say, yeah, this is all lies. He doesn't cheat because they've all seen it. Like even Trump never commented on it because there's too many people would say, yeah, I saw you. For instance, there was a video that came out of Ireland the other day. You know how he says he's this great player. He's a three handicap. He's a fantastic chipper. Well, this video came out. He was trying to chip the ball up a hill to the green and it came back to his feet. Not once, not twice, but three times. Ooh. And so... There's all this video that exists of him not being a great player, not being all the things he says he is. So it'd be very hard to come out and say Rick Riley's lying. I would have loved it. I was dying for a tweet because I was waiting for him to go, Rick Riley, the most dishonest reporter in the world. I've never liked him, even though he came up to me and said he was, I was his favorite sports writer. I've never liked that guy. And besides, I kicked his ass one day in golf. Mm. And I was going to tweet back, Okay, who read you the book? 
I'll tell you who read me the book, Rick Riley. People pick up the Audible copy. You do a tremendous job reading your own book, and I'll never forget the ending of your book where you just talked with such passion about how Trump is ruining everything, including your beloved game of golf. Yeah, he's leaving a big orange splotch on my game that I love. I mean, you know, I, I had a dad that was, you know, a drinker. He was a drunk. But the one place we could connect was the golf course. He taught me golf. He taught me to play by the rules. We have a tournament every year in his honor. He loved golf. I mean, his favorite guy was Jack Nicholas. And we would never cheat and say we won the tournament, you know, from Philadelphia. We would never kick the ball or, or throw it out or throw our opponent's balls in the bunkers. This would never happen. So this is why I wrote the book. He's, he's, He's driving on greens with his golf cart. He's wearing these dockers that are two sizes too small. He's, he's reporting scores that he didn't shoot. He's winning championships he didn't play in. And I think somebody had to stand up just for golf, much less the truth. So th that's why I wrote it, to stand up for the game I love. And then, it's, and then as the more I got into it, the more I realized this is exactly how he does the presidency. And someone's got to stand up for the truth. I mean, I would take anybody, Republican, Democrat, Green, left, right, whatever, as long as they told the truth and cared more about the country than themselves. And so I hope it stands for all those things. Let me just ask you, do you think Nancy Pelosi is right and that all roads lead to Putin? Do you think if a guy is such a cheater and He's gone bankrupt so many times. Isn't he susceptible to blackmail? Of course. And his son accidentally sort of let the cat out of the bag once when they said, hey, you bought four golf resorts and a winery in a row here without using any debt. What's going on? And Eric Trump said, oh, no, we use, uh, we use the Russians. We, uh, we, have, we have great deals with the Russians now, and we don't need banks anymore. That's what he said. <laughs> and now, since then, he's tried to back off that statement. Oh, that's not what I meant. But that's, I think, and this is just a guess, I think that's why we don't see his taxes. We don't see what he pays to the Russians every year. What has he done? What kind of favors has he done for the Russians in exchange for maybe looking the other way on his payments? His golf businesses are almost all going south because not just not just the COVID, but his own, his own besmirched name around the world. Nobody wants, they took the name Trump off Trump Turnberry because it was nothing was selling in the pro shop. So I think, I think she may be right. I think all roads might, might lead to Putin. You are such a good man, Rick Riley. You wrote a column <laughs> on the back page of Sports Illustrated, Nothing But Nets, where you had people contribute to buy nets and raised about $50 million to save people from malaria. It got me to thinking, you probably know about hydroxychloroquine since it's a treatment for malaria, do you? We do. We do. Yeah. What do you know? Is it, What do you make of Trump pushing that so hard? Well, nothing but nets. We're, we just passed $70 million. Wow. We put nets over families to keep kids from getting a bit by this one mosquito that comes out between 12 and 4. And it will kill a kid under six. So we've been able with, with Malaria No More, with President Carter, with Bill Gates, 
to reduce the death rate from malaria from 3,000 a day down to about 1,200 a day, still too many. But one, one of the things that helps people once they get malaria is hydroxy, I can never say it, hydroxychloroquine. Right. Thank you. It's not for COVID. Every study has said it's nothing more than a placebo for COVID. And, you know, he ordered 50 million pills for the U.S. government of this stuff, which has kept, which has left us with a shortage. Also, I think it's lupus. It helps lupus. So it's, you know, doctors take this oath, do no harm. This guy should have taken, okay, I understand you lie. I understand you're going to cheat on your golf score. That's all harmless. But stop doing harm to people that need this to fight malaria. It's, It's maddening. He harms everything he touches. I think Rick Wilson had a good book about that. Everything Trump touches turns to crap. But I have a troubadour on my show, and he's singing a song about a tree that got chopped down by a rich guy for no reason. But Trump, the way he's destroyed the environment, just speak to that a minute. You have chapters on that in your book. This guy is the worst thing (laughs) for the environment ever. Am I right? Well, I mean, I'm not a climate expert, but I can tell you just in golf, he's been sued many, many times for environmental practices, letting runoff go into into neighborhoods. He was sued in Washington. He has this course on the Potomac River and cut down all these trees, hundreds and hundreds of trees without a permit because he wanted his golfers to see the Potomac River. Mm. Well, that that caused all kinds of erosion problems. And... It caused problems for the Secret Service because now someone could stand across on the other side of the river with a gun and shoot them if they if they so desired because they can get a clean shot because a, a few of the holes run right along the river. So that meant the Secret Service had to shut down the Potomac River whenever he was playing. So that meant for four hours, twice a weekend, canoers couldn't canoe, kayakers, fishermen, commercial fishermen. A transportation boat, they all had to just stop. And so what are you what are you gonna do? Regrow the trees? They find him some hundred thousand dollars, which is nothing to him. And it's just more of this bullshit where he just gets to do whatever the hell he wants and then apologize later, which he never does, by the way. And so uh environmentally he talks about he's an environmentalist, he's a goddamn disaster. I agree. And I like the cursing. And he's pretty much authorized it by using the word bullshit. I call him the bullshitter in chief. My last couple of minutes with Rick Riley. It's amazing. Well, let me ask you this. Right. Let me ask you this. So when you you said that this this (laughs) this book kind of opened your eyes and it also kind of wrecked you. So is it difficult now to because most radio is right wing. Right. Is it hard to be on the radio with a with an anti-Trump? Well, I'm not on uh, the radio anymore, and that's what happened. Donald Trump ruined me. And the the bottom line is, in Denver Talk Radio, you cannot be anti-Trump. They've taken over that portion of the media, and it's a darn shame. Mm. That surprised me because you know Denver Radio had some has has a great a tradition of also having left wing. Ideas, right? I mean, you remember Alan Burke? Uh, of course I remember Alan Burke. Yes, I was a young deputy DA in Denver when he got murdered. But right. Alan Burke, he would have hated Donald Trump. It would have been interesting to see if he could have survived that. 
Right. Right. He, he was, Allen Berg was, was really, <laughs> he was a real lightning rod, but I mean, uh, there's been, it wasn't Peter Boyles a little bit left. Now I go through Denver and there's, it's all just one-sided. And I, I could see why it'd be very difficult to tell the truth about Trump and keep a radio show. Absolutely the case, but let's not worry about me. Let's worry about sports. Will sports (laughs) survive Trump and COVID? How's this going to shake out? I think the NFL will give it a go this year. I think they will. These are men and these people need to be paid. College athletes don't get paid. They don't, they don't need to be out there. They have to go to school. If they try to play football, they're around a lot of people. It's, I mean, a college roster is 95 people. So it's a lot of people. So, but, but I think the, I think the NFL may be able to give it a go, but where there's so much, there's so much unknowns, will entire teams get it? And then they can't play as we found out with the Miami Marlins. How will that affect the schedule? How, what's going to happen when someone gets it and they sue? What's going to happen, especially in training camp, because we're finding out that COVID really affects the heart as well. And, you know, two a days can be really hard on the heart. Are they willing to take the risk of someone dying with the, and then they find out they have COVID. Are they willing for that liability? So the NBA seems to have done a great job. Golf seems to have done a great job. I'm a little skeptical that the NFL can pull it off, but I hope so because man, I'm a starving man. I mean, (laughs) I can't tell you how much I miss this sport. It's been just delightful to get a little NBA in, you know? And how about that PGA? That was something. All those studs and a California kid, Colin Marikawa. What a what a story and so many interesting new faces on the tour. Right. Well, I mean, it was so amazing to see a little guy, he's not big, win and bomb it because that was a bomber's. Right. The only way you're going to win that thing is bombing it. And against these big hulks like DJ, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka. Bryson DeChambeau, you know, who doesn't even have a neck anymore. And these guys are just crushing it. And he was crushing it right with them. And yet, not only was he crushing it, he would he could place it, you know, if you cut an aisle through a field of corn, you'd be able to hit that fairway. And that's what he did on 16. Chipped in on the hole before, nearly chipped in on the hole after. And the kid is not afraid of the spotlight. Now you might say, yeah, but he didn't have to do it in front of fans with the roar in his in his ears, and that that could have made a difference. But we'll see how he does with fans. But you know, he's played in front of fans before. When the fans come back, will he be as good? Probably. He looks like he's unflappable, and what a talent! That was amazing. It was quite a tournament. Let's go back to that no neck concept for a minute, because I've been trying to think <laughs> as I read your book, who are the all time biggest cheaters in sports? Barry Bonds comes to mind, Sammy Sosa, McGuire. You covered all of that. And you knew a guy named Lance Armstrong. Who was the biggest cheater? And maybe it's Vladimir Putin with his Olympic hijinks. How do you rank them? Is Trump in the top 10? Well, no, because Lance Armstrong peddled a lie to us for 14 years. And, and, he, and I bought it. And, you know, even when caught said it was a lie, he even sued when he knew it was a lie. So <laughs> that's, that's a kind of an amazing diabolic path that he followed. Sammy Sosa's got to be up there at the top of the list. Not only does he cheat with his body, he cheated with his bat. 
they found him. They found corked bats. He was a, a horrible cheater. Gaylord Perry right. cut the ball, spit on the ball. He had Vaseline all over his body. He cheated for over 20 years in the league. How he got away with it, I'll never know. Ben Johnson's got to be up there. McGuire, Bonds for sure, who rewrote the record book cheating. God, it's a great question. I'm trying to think of, ah, it's really tough. I mean, baseball's so used to it. Rosie Ruiz and the Boston Marathon. <laughs> right. That was one incident. Yeah, but, but Trump cheating... Just in life is unfair. Is so is so ridiculous. Did you see it came out recently that a guy took his his SAT, uh, his, his college Shapiro. exam to get in? Made my people yeah. proud. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, he is the he, Trump is a big blowhard jock that can get anybody to do anything because they're afraid they're going to get beat up, and and then he runs for student council president on the promise that I'm a champion pizza every day for lunch and no morning classes. And somehow people bought this and now we're stuck with him. And I just wish November would get here. Well, you give him his come up and you also write about that Westchester club championship where he lost in the first round to a 15 year old Adam Levitt. I love so much of your book, but that one was amazing. Tell everybody that story. Right. Well, see, when Trump has to actually play and, and there's, you know, a draw sheet, like a match play tournament, as opposed to stroke play where he can just lie what he shot, he's got to play an opponent. And there's, you know, usually people watching. He never wins those. So he's playing in the first round against a 15 year old at his course. And I got a hold of the guy and the 15 year old beat him in the 19th hole. And I said, what happened? He said, well, Trump got me down like four down with uh, five to play. And he was saying, well, the kid put up a good fight and uh, gee, he's going to, maybe he's going to be a pretty good player. He's not going to be me, but maybe he'll be decent. And he said, it really made him mad because his parents were there and he didn't like that one bit. And he was, and Trump was talking to his parents and he felt like he'd been cheating the whole day anyway. And so it made him mad and he really started playing well. And he came back, won the next three holes, won the last hole they go to a sudden death and he wins that hole and he remembers it to this day because Trump didn't shake his hand and just stormed off. And he says, and I said, well, how do you feel about a guy like that being president who cheated and then wouldn't shake your hand when you made this great comeback? And he goes, this is exactly how I expected him to be. And I think that's great that a 15 year old kid beat the president. Right. And he achieved that for a plea by calling two rules violations on the 15-year-old said he touched his club in a hazard, which isn't a penalty. Oh, that's anymore. right. It, it's that's just right. so indicative. Your book is fantastic. I cannot tell you how honored I am. You talk about being a great student of history. What's going to happen on November 3? Give us Rick Riley's scenario of how the next few months play out. Well, I don't know. I mean, I I, I thought Hillary was going to win going away. I, I couldn't believe people were going to buy this bull crap and that they'd get in the booth and go, ah, this guy's full of it. I don't like Hillary, but I can't have a liar. And they did just the opposite. They got in the booth and said, ah, this guy's going to be fun. And I really hate Hillary. So my dime store analysis of this is they found someone who's a decent man that everyone seems to like. 
and they're exhausted with Trump's lies. They're exhausted with being the fools of the world uh, with him in charge. They're exhausted with how he's handled COVID, acting like it's nothing. And then now when it's too late, he's acting like it's something, but only barely. They're exhausted with so much of it. I think Black Lives Matter is going to be a huge a difference in the election. I think black population is going to come out in droves to vote against him and for Joe Biden. So I personally think it's not even going to be close. But the last time I said that, I, I ate crow. So I really don't know. What do you think? I think you are right. But I worry a little bit about him controlling the scorecard and the generals and the post office and all of that. Right. But I think the tide has turned. And part of it is books like yours, Commander in Cheat, How Golf Explains Trump. You really enlightened me to my detriment in a way, because I just could not yeah. back Donald Trump anymore. And for the record, you were booked to come on conservative talk radio, my Saturday show on November 30th, 2019, right. because I was throwing right. all caution to the wind. I knew my job was in peril for going after Trump, but I think there comes a time for all good men to stand up for their country. And I think our country is in real danger. Exactly, Craig. I mean, I know, and I feel bad that that happened, but I, it makes me admire you more than ever. And I think that you must feel good looking in the mirror because you were true to A, yourself, B, the country, and C, the truth. These, these guys that somehow support the way this racist, this moron, this liar, how can they, how can they look themselves in the mirror just to get a check? I think that's, I, I couldn't live with myself. So I admire what you did. Thank you very much. And my last question for you, because you've had so much success and you love golf. I imagine you were at a plethora of great country clubs. What's the attitude among the country club guys who got Trump into office? Are they fed up or will they vote for him? No, they have they have Trump fatigue. A lot of guys I know that voted for him are like, I, I can't believe I voted for this guy. I can't take it anymore. And I think they were, I think they'll, they'll back a centrist like Biden. They'd rather have a conservative. They're conservative people, but enough is enough. And they see our standing in the world is just so shot to hold. It really affects them when they travel. People want to talk about what an idiot we have for president. They don't want to talk about it. So the guys I know who voted for him are now going the other way. Rick Riley, you are so generous with your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Great. Good luck, man. I look forward to seeing you again. All right. Thank you, Rick Riley. Hey there, I'm not going to take a lot of your time. I've been a lawyer almost 40 years. My brother was a lawyer. My father, a Denver lawyer. My grandfather, a Denver lawyer. If you have a legal problem, call me. 303-861-2800. 303-861-2800. If I'm not the right lawyer for you, I bet I know somebody who is. 303-861-2800. Thank you. 
Gosh, it's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. <laughs> now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want, and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at MB LLC.com. Now back to the Fred Silverman Show. Dave Gunders, my troubadour, you have outdone yourself again. This song is so perfect as I talked to Rick Riley about Donald Trump and him cutting down trees on golf courses. Tell everybody about your great song called Notwithstanding. Hi, Craig. I was coming back from to visit my father and my mother. They live in Connecticut in a rural environment. And I was walking from the bus, actually, that had dropped me off. I always like to do that um, in the evening, uh, one summer evening in August. And as I came closer to their house, it was dusk. And I looked up and normally what had been a, a beautiful canopy of these 200 plus year oaks as I walked along along the, the the path to my to my parents house all I saw was sky the the canopy was gone the trees that had graced this neighboring property were gone and it was shocking to me it was at night and it wasn't until the morning that I saw that this fellow who had bought the land had stripped these trees and there must have been a good 8 or 10 beautiful oaks that graced this land that had been the way they did it is they limbed them. So there was just what it was basically they hacked off the arms of these trees. And what was still standing was the enormous trunk that just aspire into the sky, but it was a, a heart wrenching sight. Oh no. How many songs do you ever hear about a tree? But this is not just heartfelt. You are enraged. You are wailing. And that's what makes the song so powerful. These trees, I'm from Colorado. Is there anything comparable? 200-year-old trees, I don't think we have those in Colorado, do we? We have some, you know, cottonwoods are probably the closest that, you know, some native cottonwoods that grow along the, along the creeks and rivers, but they're not as long-lived as the oaks and they're not as large. And you rail against lawyers. What is it with you and lawyers? You blame it on the lawyer who would go to court and say, notwithstanding, that's such a broad term. It can be one word or a couple. Because to go to court like you, if you were to complain, they would say, you don't have standing, Dave Gunders. You have no right to complain. Right, right. And the tree. And the, and the tree, you know, what I, what I was thinking of, and sorry if I was railing against lawyers, I, I would never rail against my good buddy, you. And there are many good lawyers out there. In this particular case, I was just making a point 
the the lawyer de- defending the uh, the rich fool, the you rich fool, right? Fool. He had scored big on Wall Street. You know, they live fairly close to New York, so sometimes when you know when the financial markets are doing well, people make extraordinary amounts of money and come in and drive up prices and that sort of thing. But anyway, I I was I was enraged. In fact, I, I would see him out there guiding his. Uh, there were nine guys out there cutting these trees, and I, I I turned my back on him. He saw me. I turned around and walked away. I couldn't I I couldn't even speak. This song is powerful, folks. Wait till you hear it. Notwithstanding, by our troubadour Dave Gunders. Yesterday, home to the land where I was raised, and I saw something missing from the start. The hole in the sky nearly stopped my heart. And where was the mighty oak I'd climbed? There where imagination flies Some new fool thought it in his way Of some big house he gonna build someday He brought her down
found a way to build around. It took just a day to bring her down. For nine men, she was one day's wage. Now all that remains is my silent rage. Notwithstanding, 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 notwithstanding. I'm just blown away by that song. You can hear the power of your anger, Dave Gunders. And I don't blame you. I know your heart, and you are such a good person toward all things living. I especially like that line about watching out for things defenseless, and the destruction was so senseless. Where do you come up with stuff like that? I don't know. I don't know, Craig. But I felt like, uh, you know, the, the, I, 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 I was imagining that this tree had, had graced so many wonderful afternoons, picnics, you know, evening family get-togethers and that kind of thing, going way back. I mean, going back to maybe when, the, maybe when our, our country was, was first founded. And it just didn't seem right that someone could just come in there and, and just devastate the area. So, And you talk about it in the way of a working man, that working men back before there were cars had to walk or maybe they got around on horses, but to find shade, and I imagine this oak tree supplied tremendous shade and it had done so for 200 years. And I just love that concept. How can the tree not have standing? How can it be cut down? Here's the thing I know about you, Dave Gunders. You told me a story that blew me away, and I want you to share it with our podcast audience. And it has to do with your line about watching out for things defenseless. In our neighborhood, you saw a beautiful creature of wildlife hit on a nearby road on a Saturday morning. Tell everybody what you saw. I know it's sort of private, but it just reveals the heart of the troubadour. Tell people about what you encountered on a recent Saturday morning and how it affected you. I was going to Starbucks to pick up the morning coffee for the girls, and, and a fox had just gotten hit and killed on, our, on Happy Canyon, which is our, my route. And I saw cars. I didn't see him get hit, but it, was, it, had been, it had been recent because he had not been run over yet. He had been hit. But there were a bunch of cars coming the other way, and they were all veering around him. And I saw, I imagined that it was only a matter of time before he would be, you know, that, that it would just be a, another roadkill situation, you know. And I, I, he was, it was a beautiful animal. I cranked my car around, and uh, luckily I had a tarp, and I put him in the back, and I took him home, and I buried him. I did so without telling my wife and children. <laughs> They're going to find out right now, but you told me and you worked up quite a spitz digging a hole in your backyard. But tell everybody why you did that and how it felt once you laid that poor creature to rest in your backyard. Well, you know, there is something. I mean, I, 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 it, it's important to, to, to recognize 
these creatures, you know, what, what the 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 nature around us, especially living, you know, living animals, and and just even though he was dead, I felt like this animal deserved a dignified burial and a, and a little prayer. And I'm not a religious man, really, but I I did, I guess, in my way, say a prayer when I buried him. And I told you, and this was probably my imagination, but I felt something as if it came right up through the ground, through my feet, and right out my head. It it seemed as if his spirit had come out and and was in some way grateful. While you were praying? After the after I'd buried him and just said a few words. Right. But every once in a while, it's not that often for me, or I imagine for most people, but that connection with something beyond us, isn't that what we are all searching for? We are, and it's and it's here for us too, if we pay attention. And I think, you know, that's 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 a big problem of modern, you know, in the modern era that we we have in some ways divorced ourselves in, in many respects from nature. Although, I mean, there are many people who are who are tuned in to the, to the beauty around us and the wonder of of so many animals. I mean, th- thankfully, we have people doing research in the oceans and doing research on the on the land and tr- trying to find some way that we can, you know, live in harmony with 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 or at least make room for these creatures. They're losing so much of their of their habitat now. Right. And during this quarantine situation, especially that initial lockdown, you and I walking around our neighborhood, we saw things that we could never have imagined, like that herd of deer. And now you saw deer recently get trapped within a fence, the very fence we were talking about being able to get in. And it turned out to be great planning because how did you get that deer out of that fenced in property? In our neighborhood, there was some open land and all of a sudden it's being plowed up and fences are going up. And every once in a while we've had deer around here, but you were the one who freed the deer. Tell that story. Well, I was walking, I was doing our usual route and I saw the deer in there. There were neighbors nearby and the fellow told me that that deer had been in there all day. It was hot. He hadn't had water, you know, somehow the deer had gotten in. And uh, so I went in, we opened the gate and it's a construction zone and the deer was just in, you know, he was resting in the dust, basically. I tried herding him to where I thought he could get out, but but it was it was to no avail. I, he kept going around me. I, I was with my dog, too. He was helping. But then I called my daughter. We, we she, You know, our house is only five minutes from there. Rachel came jogging on down and uh, we and we were able to to kind of funnel the deer into the corner where I thought it, it would be able to get out. And, and she did. She she was free. And we're talking Metro Denver, folks. It's been an interesting pandemic era. But I'm blessed to have a neighbor, Dave Gunders, our troubadour. And every week he comes up with some interesting story. I think so. I know you enjoy it. I get a lot of great feedback. Thanks once again to our troubadour, Dave Gunders. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Craig. Wow, what a challenging time to make sales, but it can be done, especially if you take advantage of Sandler training. This world-renowned organization can teach you and your sales crew how to make more sales. Listen closely, because my buddy Dan Levin, he's giving away Sandler tips for free. Take it away, Dan. Thanks, Craig. Rule number four, a decision not to make a decision is a decision. Have you ever had a prospect tell you, I need to think it over? It's the worst phrase to hear in sales. We all want yeses or the second best. No, 
Most of the time when we hear, I want to think it over, it means they're really afraid to tell us no, which means we're going to end up wasting lots of time chasing them. So when you hear, I just have to think it over, we'll test them. Hey, no's okay. I get the feeling it's not a fit, but you're not really sure how to tell me that. If that's the case, it's okay to tell me no. Wonderful advice, my friend Danny Levitt. Give him a call. Tell him Craig sent you. 303-829-2107. 303-829-2107. Sandler Training. You will make better sales. There are some things you just have to do as a responsible adult, like end-of-life planning. Even before this COVID crisis, you should have been making those plans. If you have children, God forbid, what happens to them if something happens to you? And what about your assets? You need to write these things down. You need to meet with a lawyer who asks the right questions and you can give them answers and the right documents can be drawn up. I know that lawyer. His name is Michael Bailey. Michael Bailey is my lawyer. He's my wife's lawyer. He does end-of-life planning, and he does ask those correct questions. He's easy to talk to. He's got a laid-back demeanor, which is something I like in a lawyer, especially a lawyer who handles matters like this. The number to call Michael, 720-394-6887, 720-394-6887. He's taken great care of me and my wife. He'll take great care of you. 720-394-6887 or online at mblawllc.com. Now back to the Craig Silverman Show. Say her name, Kamala Harris. Not Kamala, not Kamala. It's Kamala, like Mamala or Bubala. You know, she married a Jewish guy. There are a lot of firsts here, not just the first African-American, the first black, first East Asian, Southern Asian, Indian American, but it's also the first intermarriage. And it's not just a difference in race, it's a difference in religion. Her husband, Doug, an entertainment lawyer from LA, he has two Jewish kids as well. And Kamala said she is their mamala now, and I like that. I like a lot of things about Kamala Harris, including her background as a prosecutor. You might expect that. She started her career as a big city prosecutor, just like I did. Norm Early talked about her when my old boss was on the show a few weeks ago. But let's hear Kamala Harris make the case for why Donald Trump and Mike Pence have got to go. The people, that's who I represented as district attorney, fighting on behalf of victims who needed help. The people, that's who I fought for as California's attorney general when I took on transnational criminal organizations who traffic in guns and drugs and human beings. And let me tell you, somebody who has presented my fair share of arguments in court The case against Donald Trump and Mike Pence is open and shut. Just look where they've gotten us. More than 16 million out of work. Millions of kids who cannot go back to school. 
And tragically, more than 165,000 lives that have been cut short. When other countries are following the science, Trump pushed miracle cures he saw on Fox News. While other countries were flattening the curve, he said the virus would just poof, go away. Quote, like a miracle. So when other countries opened back up for business, what did we do? We had to shut down again. This virus has impacted almost every country. But there's a reason it has hit America worse than any other advanced nation. It's because of Trump's failure to take it seriously from the start. And not so funny thing happened after that speech. Jenna Ellis, an attorney who has been in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge, an attorney who I let sub in for me on my Saturday morning radio show, a lawyer who I knew as a relatively nice and religious person. She'd been homeschooled. She had a bit of a law practice, a bit of a career as an educator at Colorado Christian, but she really was not well established. And it is beyond a little surprising to find Jenna Ellis as senior legal advisor to Donald J. Trump. Of course, she's apparently now part of the faculty at Liberty University, and Jerry Falwell Jr. has kind of ruined himself and Liberty. And Jenna, what are you doing? When you tweeted the other day, Kamala Harris sounds like Marge Simpson. Now, I don't really follow the Simpsons, but I had to believe this was an attack on Kamala's voice, which I don't think is the right thing to do any more than attacking, I don't know, Jenna Ellis's physical appearance. That's something that she was born with. And to a large extent, you can't control how tall you are, how short you are, your basic body type, your voice, the color of your eyes, whether you are right-handed or left-handed whether you have a disability, only an ass like Donald Trump, who is an ass, would make fun of somebody with a disability or call somebody fat or short or make fun of their appearance. But that's just classic of Donald Trump. And to work for him, I suppose it's appropriate for Jenna Ellis to weigh in that Kamala sounds like Marge Simpson. She tweeted that. And she got a lot of attention, including from Marge Simpson, who had this to say. I usually don't get into politics, but the president's senior advisor, Jenna Ellis, just said Kamala Harris sounds like me. Lisa says she doesn't mean it as a compliment. If that's so, as an ordinary suburban housewife, I'm starting to feel a little disrespected. I teach my children not to name call Jenna. I was going to say I'm pissed off, but I'm afraid they bleep it. So you can get a taste of Jenna Ellis. Listen to her with a fellow Salem host, Eric Metaxas, as they love on each other, talking about how the Democrats are trying to cheat to win the election. Of course, Donald Trump accuses other people of cheating, knowing that he is the biggest cheater in the world. But he has enablers like Jenna Ellis. I will invite Jenna to come back to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. 
I wonder if she will accept that invitation. We also need to talk about election integrity because you know, when we're looking at the um, the Democrats' plan to try to force nationwide vote by mail and to have the states send out millions and millions of ballots into the ether, like what they're trying to do in Nevada, under 72 hours. I'm looking forward to early October when Mike Pence debates Kamala Harris. Mike Pence is not to be underappreciated. The guy was a lawyer, a talk show host on radio. And he can do okay, but Kamala was a prosecutor. I think she will be the favorite, even if the debate is in Salt Lake City. Listen to Mike Pence tell Fox News and the world how excited he is to debate Kamala. But he won't pronounce her name right. That's bad. Give a person respect. Pronounce their name the way they want it pronounced. On the way here, I just heard that Joe Biden named his running mate. California Senator Kamala Harris will be the Democrat candidate for vice president. You all might like to know that the vice presidential debate is going to be held on October 7th in Utah. So my message to the Democrat candidate for vice president, congratulations. I'll see you in Salt Lake City. That brings us to a total ass named Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson has the lead primetime show on Fox News, and he has a regular guest, an attorney named Richard Goodstein, to represent the Democrats. And Goodstein, who did a good job trying to tell Tucker tactfully, hey, her name is Kamala, and if you think about the punctuation comma and add a lot to it, you will get Kamala, and you can pronounce her name correctly. But Tucker Carlson, instead of taking that good advice or learning ahead of time how to pronounce the name of a vice presidential candidate, spends his whole show calling her the wrong name, the wrong pronunciation, and he gets mad when he's told to maybe correct it, to treat her decently. There is no decency on that side as you can hear right here. Tucker, can I just say one quick thing? Because this is something that will serve you and your fellow um, hosts on Fox. Her name is pronounced comma, like the punctuation mark, la, Kamala. Okay? Okay. Seriously, I've heard every sort of bastardization. So what? That's how it is, Uh, Kamala. Okay. 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 Well, I think it's out of respect for somebody who's going to be on the national ticket. Pronouncing her name right is actually not, it's kind of a So I'm disrespecting her by mispronouncing her name unintentionally. So it begins. You're not allowed to criticize Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris or whatever. No, because no, no, Kamala, Kamala no, Harris. Whatever. Okay, look, I it's, unintentionally it's mispronounced her name, question. but I love the idea that she's immune from criticism. The beauty of the Trump administration is the evidence is all over the place, including confessions galore. Donald Trump admitted on Fox News and then repeated it that this holdup of money for the post office is all about his master plan to keep Americans from being able to vote. That stinks, especially since we know in Colorado that mail and Dropbox balloting works. Jenna Griswold coming up to explain that to us. She's Colorado's Secretary of State. But listen to this confession first. 
from Donald J. Trump. You know, there's nothing wrong with getting out and voting. You get out and vote. They voted during World War One and World War Two, and they should have voter ID because the Democrats scammed the system. But two of the items are the post office and the three and a half billion dollars for mail-in voting. Now, if we don't make a deal, that means they don't get the money. That means they can't have universal mail-in voting. They just can't have it. So, you know, sort of a crazy thing. Thank goodness for Barack Obama. Thank goodness for podcasting. David Pluff, who was the Obama campaign manager, has his own podcast, and Barack Obama came on. I'd love to get him in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. He said a lot of things directly aimed at Donald Trump, who's trying to kneecap democracy by kneecapping the U.S. Postal Service. And Barack Obama is calling him out. What we've seen in a way that is unique to modern political history is a president who's explicit in trying to discourage people from voting, right? (laughs) I mean, usually the Republican Party for quite some time has actively tried to discourage people's votes from counting in all kinds of ways, whether it's voter ID laws or you know, blatant gerrymandering, making it difficult for people in certain precincts to find their polling places, right? I, you know, all that stuff is contrary to American democracy, but you know, I think the Republicans' view has been it's all fair game as long as it helps us gain power. What we've never seen before is a president say, I'm going to try to actively kneecap the Postal Service <laughs> to encourage voting, and I will be explicit about the reason I'm doing it. Yeah, That's sort of unheard of, right? Then Barack Obama gets to the central question, what about the Republicans? Are there any adults, anybody responsible? Mitt Romney, could you speak up more than just once every impeachment? Where are you, Cory Gardner? What are Republicans doing where you are so scared of people voting that you are now willing to undermine what is part of the basic infrastructure of American life? I mean, it'd be the equivalent of uh, we're not going to repair highways because people might drive to the polling places. <laughs> right. So we just we'll just let uh, massive sinkholes in the middle of uh, the interstate linger because we're worried that folks might use those roads to vote. Barack Obama cannot believe that Donald Trump would cheat so egregiously. But now we know that he will. He will cheat in ways that are unimaginable to regular people or even abnormal people. He is one of a kind. And we are all in trouble as Barack Obama observes. For us to have profound disagreements about policy. Those are real. Democracy is messy and conflict is inevitable. But there has to be some boundaries that we don't cross. There have to be some basic shared assumptions that bind us together. And one of those is that we don't actively hurt people or undermine key parts of our lives just for partisan advantage. So now, without further ado, let's move on to a very special session of Craig's Lawyer's Lounge with Colorado Secretary of State, Jenna Griswold. 
Welcome to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Hello, Jenna. Hi, Craig. How are you? Fantastic. Can I welcome you back to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge? Yes, sir. Thank you for bearing with us with the scheduling. I know you have nothing else to do. <laughs> I, I've waited in anticipation to talk with you about our wonderful election model. So I'm glad we could make it happen. Let me formally welcome you back to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge, where prominent attorneys come to relax, tell war stories, kick around current events. In your case, the war stories and the current events are the same thing. But Jenna, I checked before you came on, and you are an active Colorado attorney with bar registration number 44020. Am I right? I would have to go back and and look at my number, but yes, I'm an active Colorado attorney. I think that's a cool number with all those fours and twos in it. I'm 11224, but do you think being a lawyer is helping you through this situation? Absolutely. You know, whether it was putting together our legislation, which ended up being the largest democracy reform in the nation last year, to navigating the, the national dynamics on vote-by-mail, it is very helpful to be an attorney. Jenna Griswold, Secretary of State of Colorado. I know a little about your background. You grew up in Estes Park. I saw you just wrote a great editorial that ran in their paper there about voting in Colorado. But tell everybody your background and why it was you decided to become a lawyer and then move on to politics and win statewide office as Secretary of State. Well, I did grow up in Estes Park. I grew up very working class. So growing up, my mom sometimes would be working two jobs and it would still be sometimes hard to make ends meet. So I started working the summer after seventh grade to help out and just saw a lot of Colorado families were struggling like mine. And that's what really inspired me to be the first person in my family to go to a four-year college and then off to law school because I, I wanted to have the tools to be able to help out. Uh, You know, when it comes to running for statewide office, I I just thought it was so important to make sure that Colorado's voting rights were protected. So I launched a campaign and and won in, gosh, 2018, and I'm just honored to be Colorado's 39th Secretary of State. I don't know any Secretary of State who has faced the kind of situations that Colorado and America currently are experiencing. Let's not bury the lead. Let's talk about him. Our president, Donald J. Trump, what do you think he's doing? Is he trying to create an impression that the election is not fair to make an excuse for him losing? Well, for better or for worse, the president often tells us why he is doing the things he is doing. He has come out as a vocal opponent against mail ballots even though he uses them and and many, many members of the administration uses them, including the first lady, the second lady, the vice president, the press secretary, and the list goes on and on. But he told us and has said various times that he opposes mail ballots because he believes that it will enable Democrats to win more seats than they otherwise would. So this is coming from a a very partisan place. We all know in Colorado that everybody likes mail ballots. And believe it or not, there has been more Republicans who use mail ballots in the last two out of three general elections. It's something that's good for all voters, especially when we're in the middle of a pandemic. 
Are you saying more Republicans by percentage or by gross numbers? Because Republicans are getting fewer and fewer in Colorado. So out of the last two out of three generals, I'm talking about gross numbers. But then in our June 30th primary, which we had just in, in the midst of the pandemic, we set a record turnout. And in that primary, a higher percentage of Republican voters used a mail ballot than Democrats. You know, the Democratic ballot had more contested races. Right. So in general, there was a higher Democratic turnout in, in raw numbers. I've talked with Wayne Williams, your predecessor, many times. He's a Republican, a staunch Republican from Colorado Springs. But you and he agree. And thank you, Wayne Williams, for speaking up. Colorado has the gold standard and we are all mail or Dropbox. How do you feel about Wayne Williams? Are you grateful to him for speaking out? You know, I think it shows a lot of leadership. And I, I will say, I, I think Secretary Williams implemented our vote by mail system really well. He initially, if you recall, I know this is ancient history at this point, opposed the legislation back in 2013 that took Colorado to a mail ballot state. But I think he should be really commended for implementing it just exceptionally well and for speaking out now. And I, I do think that it's a great, I guess, aspect of Colorado life that Coloradans are focused on solutions, not partisan gamesmanship. And to see the number of Republicans elected or, or former elected officials come out and support the Colorado election model, I, speak, I think speaks volumes about our state and, and the people in the state. Look, I've been voting for a long time. And this is the best way to vote, especially when you have propositions on the ballot, which Colorado ballots have. You need to take time to study them at home, fill it out in your kitchen, either mail it or drop it off. It is so much smarter, whereas people could have disagreed 10 years ago. It's great that Wayne Williams and a lot of reasonable Coloradans who are Republicans will acknowledge this. But I'm disturbed about the lack of backup from Cory Gardner. What about you? I mean, he won on an all-male ballot, and he knows it works in Colorado, but he won't say a thing. Does that disappoint you, or is that just politics? Well, I, I think you rightly point out that Senator Gardner won uh, in 2014, when, uh, which was the, the first year that all Colorado voters were sent a ballot. And he has said positive things about our mail election system. I do think it's very important for every elected leader right now to really lean in and demand that Americans have the same type of access that Coloradans have. You know, our voting model is, is pretty straightforward. You register to vote, you're sent a mail ballot, and then you can return it by mail at one of hundreds of drop boxes or even in person, or you can go vote in person. And I just think, you know, in the, the middle of a pandemic, the idea that we would take away mail ballots or hinder the implementation of mail ballots in other states and force Americans to wait hours and hours in long lines or crowd into polling centers is not the right solution. We should be incentivizing good government. That's why Colorado is, is such a national leader when it comes to elections. And that is even more true with the pandemic. Their argument is outrageous, but let's take it one at a time. Donald Trump says, OK, maybe Colorado can handle it. They've done it for a while, but Nevada can't do it. New Jersey can't do it because they've never done it before. Does he have a point there? Well, what the, the president has really said is that 
Florida can do it because they have a Republican governor and he trusts the Republican governor. And I think that just shows a level of partisanship that is is really detestable because we should be thinking about voters. Look, we knew back in March that it was very likely that we would still be in the pandemic in November. There has been months to prepare. And many states have prepared. To share with you, in 2016, a little bit over 20% of Americans used a mail ballot. The Washington Post is estimating that over 70% of Americans will have that type of access in November. So there is still time for states to implement and expand if they have a mail ballot system, which most states do, but also iron out some of the kinks. And we've been really working uh, across the nation. I've been working with other secretaries of state, and our elections division has been working with election divisions to share best practices because the Colorado election model, the great thing about it is not just the mail ballots, but how every step of the system works. What do you think is the most vulnerable state, or maybe more than one? Where do you worry about the election returns? And maybe it's because a politician is in charge, somebody who's very partisan. Are you worried about any of the states and are they battleground states? Well, I think as a nation, we should be concerned about our elections on multiple fronts. Number one, the, the fact that the president is willing to risk people's lives for them to vote. You know, Craig, I want to share with you that my mom is a nurse and she's worked to save lives on a COVID unit. And she's doing her part to save lives. And as secretary of state, that's really my guide, the, the bright star to be able to save lives and also save our democracy, safeguard our democracy. And I just think that it's 2020 and unlike the president, we don't have to force people into risking their health to cast a vote. And one of the great things about vote by mail and why I'm so passionate about it is that voting by mail is like wearing a mask. It helps save lives. It helps us stop the spread of COVID-19 and save frontline workers like my mom. I think that's accurate. You are sharing my podcast with the great Colorado writer, Rick Riley, sports writer, sports columnist of the year. He wrote Commander in Cheat, C-H-E-A-T, about how golf explains Donald Trump. I don't know if you've read that or not, but we talked about the creative ways that this guy, Donald Trump, will find to cheat. And I'm worried about that when it comes to the election. Does he hold the scorecard? Is he going to be able to control any of the outcome by counting votes? Tell us, please, don't let him keep score. Will he be? Well, the president does not have authority in announcing or counting any of the ballots. And I, I do think it's just so unfortunate that he has been so focused on spreading lies about elections because more than 5 million Americans have contracted the coronavirus. We have over 160,000 Americans who have passed away from COVID-19. And the president is out there spreading misinformation when in reality it's thousands of times more likely for an American to die from COVID-19 than any type of voter fraud in any type of an election. And I, I do think that the president should focus on the real threat facing the country, the pandemic, and leave protecting our sacred right to vote. And to those of us who understand how elections work, and those of us who are not working to undermine the franchise, but actually expand it so more Americans can have their voices heard. I never thought I would see the day when somebody messed with the post office, the postal service. But that's happening right now. And the president said the quiet part out loud. 
He's trying to mess up the Postal Service so that we can't have mail in elections. Well, that's the law in Colorado. Jenna Griswold, how do you feel about the president and the games he's playing with the United States Postal Service? Well, you know, you are right. He did say the quiet part loud. He said point blank that he's withholding U.S. Postal Service funding to prevent vote by mail. And this is voter suppression. And I think we should say what it is. You know, it's voter suppression to undermine the safest method to vote during a pandemic and force Americans to risk their lives to cast a ballot. You know, here in Colorado, our election model is considered the gold standard. And, you know, we use mail ballots and a lot of ballot drop boxes. Our use of drop boxes is even more crucial as the U.S. Postal Service is under attack. Uh, And by the way, the the Postal Service employees, all the letter carriers, all, all the folks that make the Postal Service work are fantastic. They're the ones being a partner in our democracy, delivering medicine, delivering groceries, all the things that we rely on the Postal Service to do. But we are really seeing this undermining coming from straight from the top, the president and his newly appointed Postmaster General, DeJoy. Right. He's a real joy. The guy gave a lot of money to Donald Trump, another lackey. But you brought up drop boxes, and I read your excellent editorial in the Estes Park. What is it? The Trail Gazette up there or something like that? Trail Gazette. Yep. Oh, well, that's pretty mm-hmm. good for a Denver kid. But I find drop boxes the best <laughs> way to go. I, di- I didn't realize that I was being videoed when I vote there. Tell everybody about that. Yeah, so drop boxes have 24-hour security cameras on them. They're required to be kept lit so that we can keep the footage, get the footage. And all that footage is actually kept for 25 months. But, you know, the use of our drop boxes is so important, especially uh, we are seeing a lot of politics around the post office. And, And in general, the Colorado election model has contingencies in place so that we are better positioned for a postal slowdown than other states. Uh, And that's because we send out ballots, the county clerks are sending out ballots about three weeks before the election. And we affirmatively ask Coloradans to stop returning ballots through the mail eight days before and instead return them to one of the hundreds of drop boxes. The majority of Coloradans already use drop boxes. Uh, About 75 percent of mail ballots return go to a drop box. And I've been really happy to expand the number of drop boxes across the state. In the Colorado Votes Act, which was our our hallmark 2019 voting bill, we added a lot of drop boxes and in-person polling locations. I funded 91 drop boxes in that piece of legislation. And then in mid-June, just a couple months ago, I announced that I would fully fund out of our office, out of the Secretary of State's office, an additional 100 drop boxes for Colorado. So very luckily, we have those drop boxes and Coloradans are used to using them. Thank goodness you got the funding before the pandemic. Jenna, I really appreciate your time, especially given your busy schedule. I wish you great luck, and you are welcome to return to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge anytime you want, okay? Well, thank you so much, Craig. Thank you for focusing on one of the most important issues facing our nation right now, and I just really appreciate your coverage of Colorado's election. Thank you, Madam Secretary. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. It's nice to talk to you, Craig. Thanks for inviting me on. You're welcome. Bye-bye. 
gosh, it's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bacon. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. <laughs> now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at mblawllc.com. Sandler Training is one of the leading sales training and leadership development companies in all the world. If you're interested in increasing your win rates and revenue margins, increasing the number of salespeople exceeding quota, addressing sales manager professional development, reducing your turnover of sales personnel, it's all waiting for you at Sandler Training. Call my pal Dan Levitt at 303-829-2107 and tell him Craig sent you. Hey, Danny, what happens if somebody calls and says, hey, Craig sent me? Well, Craig, for the first few minutes, we'll probably tell some jokes about you. What? Yeah. And then I'll dig into, you know, what, what's going on in their world and whether or not I'm a fit for what, you know, might, might be able to help them or not. He's an easy guy to talk to. I've been talking to him for so many decades. Dan Levitt, 303-829-2107. Dan Levitt, 303-829-2107. Puts 303-829-2107. Sandler Training, it could really help you. Thank you, Danny Levitt. Now back to the Craig Silverman Show. Welcome to Craig's Poetry Corner. Here is an original composition. Verse is not an easy art, as anyone can see. Rhyming is the biggest part, at least it is for me. So when I hear a poet whose rhymes are free or blank, I try hard not to show it, but I really don't care for that kind of poetry very much. Not at all. I prefer rhyming poetry, such as this poem, Good Timber by Douglas Malach, M-A-L-L-O-C-H. And it goes like this, in complete consistency with the theme of our show this week, which is tree chopping. The tree that never had to fight for sun and sky and air and light, but stood out in the open plain and always got its share of rain, never became a forest king, but lived and died a scrubby thing. The man who never had to toil to gain and farm his patch of soil, who never had to win his share of sun and sky and light and air, never became a manly man, but lived and died as he began. Good timber does not grow with ease. The stronger wind, the stronger trees. The further sky, the greater length. The more the storm, the more the strength. By sun and cold, by rain and snow, in trees and men, good timbers grow. 
where thickest lies the forest growth, we find the patriarchs of both, and they hold counsel with the stars, whose broken branches show the scars of many winds and much of strife. This is the common law of life. What a great poem. And at the end, of course, a reference to holding counsel and the common law. It has an appeal to an attorney like me, thinking about tree chopping as I am on this special show on August 15, 2020. This has been Craig's Poetry Corner. I am super proud to be an attorney at Springer and Steinberg. I am surrounded by great attorneys and we handle so many various aspects of the law. Give me a call at 303-861-2800 and let us know if we can help you resolve a court dispute, a personal dispute. Lawyers are problem solvers. In the criminal courts, you need a defense. In the civil courts, maybe you're bringing a case, maybe you are defending. Give me a call, 303-861-2800. I bet I can find the right lawyer for you. Maybe it's me or maybe it's one of my colleagues. We also do family law. The number to call 303-861-2800. The law firm Springer and Steinberg. Since the early 80s, this has been the most effective law firm in Colorado. Civil, criminal, family law, business disputes, personal injury. Give us a call if you have a legal issue, 303-861-2800. Online at springersteinberg.com. Now, back to The Craig Silberman Show. Oh, what a world, what a life, what an interesting day I had on November 16, 2019. My last show ever at 710-KNUS. A Salem station, Salem, who is dedicated through their corporate mission statement to spread Christianity by broadcasting with Christian stations, Hispanic stations, and conservative talk. But when I came over here, it was interesting because Dennis Prager, a nice Jewish boy, was a star performer, as was Michael Medved. Hugh Hewitt was a moderate Republican. He supported Mitt Romney, even wrote a book about him, moved to Denver for a while, Hugh Hewitt did. But he moved from Denver, and he moved from being a moderate to a major Trump supporter, as has Prager, as did Peter Boyles, who really runs 710 KNUS. Boyles always brags that He brings you over there, and he did in my case. I'm sure I would not have been hired but for his blessing, but he did not negotiate my contract, which only obligated me for three hours on Saturday mornings. As an independent contractor with a non-exclusive broadcasting provision, because I knew from past experience if there was big trial or legal proceeding of some kind, And if I was called on to comment elsewhere, I would. And I was not just obligated to 710 KNUS. I had that kind of contract with Claire Channel back in the day. I worked there for almost a decade. This was a different deal. 
Now I got paid good money when I filled in, especially prime time, which I did for Peter Boyles occasionally. And then I also did afternoon drive. They asked me to do permanent afternoon drive by myself or with Dan Kaplis. But I said, no, I have a thriving law practice. All I wanted was one day a week, except during impeachment when I thought he was so guilty and I wanted to make that case anywhere and everywhere I could. I found myself stifled at KNUS where nobody really wanted to talk about impeachment. And who can blame them? It was indefensible, that Ukrainian shakedown. But truth be told, I had run from the Trump train after Charlottesville, and even more so after Helsinki, so many other things. But the radio hosts at 710KNUS just grew closer, and my producer, Kirk Whitland, who was mega mega from the start, he became even more so, if that's even possible. I expected people to back Trump at 710 KNUS, and when I stopped backing him, boy, that was a big problem. Even though all I had was a Saturday show, it was still influential, and I got a lot of my listeners and callers to agree with me. I've always stood up to Peter Boyles, and when he was a younger man, he could put up with it. But in his current incarnation, as a Trump lover, no, that's activated something in Peter Boyles, who keeps confusing people on the left for Nazis. Nazis were creatures of the right. If you are going to pretend to know history, you should know that. One of the nice things about Peter Boyles in a perverse way. No, let me take that back. It wasn't nice, but he disliked all politicians, except Tom Tancredo. But then he saw Donald Trump and perhaps his mirror image. Dean Singleton called Boyles a carnival barker, and he said the same about Trump, and he knows the two of them. Anyway, it was love, and Boyles went all in, even on Kavanaugh even though there were some funky things about Justice Kavanaugh. I bet I've been on the air with Peter Boyles many hundreds of times in my career, but the following is my last interchange with him on his show where I used to be a regular guest. I challenged him and perhaps his pal Tom Tancredo Tancredo had jumped into the governor's race because he was pissed that nobody spoke out against John Southers for shutting down VDARE, a white nationalist group that wanted to meet in Colorado Springs. Kyle Clark in Channel 9 had noted this when talking about Tancredo, and yet Boyles wanted to insist that Tancredo and VDARE had nothing to do with each other. Well, just give a listen to this. When he watched what they did to VDARE, VDARE coming and he said, there'll be no police, no fire, no ambulances, no protection. That's wrong. And that's what he, and that wasn't the reason he jumped in. He jumped, he, because this was the time when he gets in. Remember, he does really, really, really well. It's this, Didn't he rip all the other Republican candidates for not standing up? And they should have. And they should have. Okay. And they should have. This discussion between myself and the boss at 710 KNUS, the morning host, 
occurred on October 8, 2018. And now I have the temerity to bring up that, in fact, Tancredo did jump in on the back of VDARE. I love it when people make my point for me. Peter Boyles indicated his anger at me in a predictable way. Listen to the way the argument goes here and who he brings up out of nowhere. You know, somebody's going to bring the JDL here. And Michael Hancock says, well, the Jewish Defense League is here. Uh, what are you going to bring? Rabbi Kahani back to He life? can't bring him back. All My right. point is I'm using it as hypothetical. Okay. If somebody said, we're going to bring the JDL here. And Hancock said, I won't give him fire, won't give him cops, won't give him ambulances, won't do anything for them. I mean, the, the JDL and the They were pretty the, radical, though. Yeah, so what? Should you protect them? I would not invite the KKK not, here. I'm not inviting the KKK. And V-Dare is not the KKK. Right, but I'm saying there are some groups that bring some potential. We're not talking violence. about some groups. We're talking about all right. A well, I, I'm not an expert on B there. I can. But you just did. Right you here. said, well, you said Tom's in there because white supremacy. No, but I'm just telling you the genesis of these stories. No, it's, it's not what, like they flow from nowhere. And when they, of course, then, I am proud of standing up to that guy, and I understand the territory. I am not going to be just part of a ditto squad. Never was. Never will be. He's taken horrible shots at people I know and respect through the years, below the belt step. And lately, it's been against Dan Garnett, who I do know. It's not like we hang out, but I worked with him back in the day, just like I did with Bill Ritter. And I know Bill Owens and the way he cheap shots all these people. And since that talk, I've learned more about Vidar, who employs Michelle Malkin, who is a merchant of hate. But Peter Boyle says he loves her as recently as summer 2020, when she led the charge in the Greek amphitheater. And she had the Proud Boys with her and the Groypers and Vidar and, of course, 710 KNUS. But I was not going to let it go. I like people who the morning host, the Boston KNUS, Boyles likes to just rip to shreds in a chicken shit way. Tom put up uh, a picture of, of a bunch of Muslims on the street, and he said it was in Dearborn, Michigan, and then it turned out it was overseas. And But that's not what went But that, but, but that, that drives the Kyle Clarks crazy. I don't think it's a drive. I think it's a short putt. Well, I like Kyle Clark. I watch him every night. You like Stan Garnett. I do. All right. I like you, too. That was a stupid thing to say. Now, Boyles has given me breaks. He hires people over there at KNUS, and I worked there. And he was big cheese at KHOW when I worked there. And ultimately, he got fired. Ultimately, a lot of things happened. But I'll tell you what happened shortly after that conversation, the last one we ever had on October 8th, 2018, when I did not back up to the man. He saw fit to rip me and my Saturday show, and he did it on the air, and I heard it, and now you can hear it. Same thing with Kavanaugh. It didn't matter. The destruction of Kavanaugh was what was important. So, and again, Honorable Garnett, don't show up. The river comes through here. Honorable Garnett, I feel like we're talking with an Asian guy. Honorable Garnett, if you want to talk on a radio show, come here. 
Don't go put on the knee pad someplace. Come here. Come here, dude. Come here. I'll open the door for you. You bring Norm with you. You bring Michael Bennett with you. You bring the entire, you bring the cast and crew. Honorable Bar, Honorable Stan Garnett. Honorable Garnett, don't go to an alternative one off Saturday show. You come here. Let's see what he's got. Well, there he was saying my show is a one off Saturday show. I could not have him on as a guest. So, that's the prerogative of a boss of a station. And I'm sure Boyles was involved in that stupid decision to rip the mic away from me. I know that Kirk Woodland was. Kirk Woodland, who it turned out, is a white nationalist who admires Adolf Hitler and thinks the wrong side won World War II. That's a problem. It's a problem over there at 710 KNUS. When the microphone was ripped away from me, I told people who asked, and a lot of people asked, that I felt frozen out because of Donald Trump, because of other things. And I was looking for an outlet to talk about impeachment. Let me give you some sound exhibits of what happened when I tried to talk about impeachment with Chuck and Julie. Actually, it was just Chuck there that day. And with Stephen Tubbs. Wow. Arguing with Stephen Tubbs, you know what I'm talking about. It's not that cool. He doesn't like to argue, and he's not good at it. I wouldn't like to argue if I was as bad as him either. Okay, now fast forward to October 24, 2019. I was hosting for Stephen Tubbs, my last fill-in, because guess who was picking the fill-ins? Kirk Woodland, your apparent neo-Nazi-loving producer at 710 KNUS. Another reason that perhaps I wasn't treated that fairly, but I think this is more amusing than anything else. Randy Corcoran, who is promoting his Saturday show with me waiting in the wings as Chuck finished up hosting his midday show. You remember Chuck Bonniewell? He had a show that collapsed, what was it, a month, two months after they pulled the mic on me. They tried to keep him on even after he talked about how he'd prefer to have a good school shooting as opposed to the boring impeachment. That's part of what I was talking about. Listen to us talk about it here. All right, what are, when are you on next? Uh, what, are you filling in for anybody or got your Saturday show? Or? It was a Saturday morning, 6 to 9, and right. uh, Denver's only live local conservative <laughs> Saturday morning show. All right. And uh, uh, that's it. I think, oh, I'll be doing uh, Stefan's show on Tuesday while you guys are partying with Michelle Malkin and Dennis Prager. All right, all right. That sounds good. That sounds good. And did you get those buttons that I yeah, dropped Yeah, we're going to give them out at, at the thing. Everybody was at, we both got both the Labor Day ones and the 921. So if you're coming, please come up to myself. or Well, you won't be there, but Julie will be there, and we'd be happy to give you these these pins, which which you can wear with, a, with real pride. Now that's some fun memories right there. The only live local conservative show, which was a dig in mine, which truly wasn't conservative. I've never described myself that way. So I became the Island of Independence, and I come to find out that uh, the program director, well, really, it's Peter Boyles, but the program director said, yeah, go ahead, do that, Randy. And he did. 
and he liked to dig it in, but oh well. There was Bonnie Well and Corcoran talking about Malkin, who was their partner on that 921 rally that Boyle said was too dangerous to go to. I stay a mile away from those guys in these causes because the Proud Boys were there too. All these white nationalist groups, who wants to hang with people like that? Well, I guess I have answered that question. Oh, yeah, Kirk Woodland was there too. Deeply involved in all those causes. I'm not sure he was there on 921. I expect so. Corporan said all these things. So is Malkin. And Malkin brings those toxic groups, those bigoted boys who consider her their mother. And KNUS was celebrating Malkin. They had a big event for her on November 16, 2019 the very day that my mic got ripped away so famously. So I was next with Chuck on that interesting afternoon of October 24, 2019. Bonnie Wall was nice talking about my show. And now we've got Craig Silverman. He'll be filling in uh, for Stefan, and uh, he's also on Saturday. 9 to 12. I always love his show. We don't agree on a lot of things, but that's okay. That's what makes Thanks, good, good talk radio. I always listen in, and, and it's never short of being stimulating, even if I disagree. But I, I could use that as a promo. Maybe I will. But I was really stimulated myself by reading Ambassador William Taylor's statement. This decorated veteran had written his testimony, and I took it, I read it, I could not get it out of my head. I could see that Donald Trump was involved in the Ukrainian shakedown. It was illegal, it was impeachable, and subject to removal. In my mind, if people would have read that and understood it as the opening statement and the roadmap that it was, all fulfilled later, yes, I thought the prosecution had a good case, the House managers. But it didn't matter what I thought. Cory Gardner was going to be a judge and jury, and I was trying to get to him every Saturday morning. Anyway, I told Chuck Bonniewell about William Taylor and the impact of what I had just read had on my life. Did you read that Bill Taylor, Ambassador William Taylor's 15-page opening statement? I did not. Is it good? Oh my gosh, it's like a police supplementary report. It is, uh, or a dime store novel, but it's easy reading and it paints quite a picture and I can't get it out of my head. We're going to talk about that today. So now we're into it. And Chuck Bonniewell responds with his full-on love affair with Donald J. Trump. But what about him calling Republicans who don't support him human scum well he calls lots of people bad names i mean i don't i i find the people uh ben sass uh, who else can you get in there oh cleansinger um i i find repellent um and that's not quite the same as scum repellent uh the the republicans who, who refuse to support the president and are, are no better uh than than the democrats and it's so the democrats never go against each other than republicans oh i know mitt romney uh, ugh, ugh. God, I can't stand that guy. Um, so he calls him, okay, he calls lots of people things. What he does is he supports Israel. 
and 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 Israel's going to need some supporting. Um, he's moved the the thing to Jerusalem. No one else would. Don't you love it how they always bring up the Jewish Defense League or Israel when they're talking to me? I find that fascinating. Bonnie well, well represented the attitude of the host Sid King U.S. regarding Donald Trump and impeachment. And right here, there's an attitude of we don't care what the evidence says. You're just coming after me. I'll never forget when I heard Boyle say one morning, this impeachment is just aimed at the people who voted for Trump. Well, I voted for Trump, schmuck that I was. But that's a stupid thing to say. There were crimes committed, constitutional violations, bribery galore. But if the jury is not going to be fair, if they won't even listen, here's Bonniewell and me. The last time we really talked, October 24, 2019. That's just What me. if he did corrupt things in Ukraine to try They're to win the election? Things. Well, but They're you have to read uh, William Taylor's oh, opening Taylor, statement. Taylor's a joke. How it's so? just a joke. Why? He, he was always, Point, he, was he, always country. he didn't serve our country. He's always been, along with Maria Yanovich, uh, absolutely the whole time trying to corrupt things for the Clintons. Didn't care less Six about what she did. in the infantry, 101st Airborne okay, in well, Vietnam. Whoopee! Whoopee! Um, if you're going to destroy our country, uh, there are lots of people who served in the oh. army, and, and and it isn't everything. No one believes well, how Taylor. How is he destroying the country? He, he, how can he, you say is, you don't believe corrupting. him when you haven't read it? it? Because I've heard the general gist of what he has oh to say. Well, why don't you bring up who the whistleblower is? You know who it is? No, I don't. Well, but I do. He, but I know I who do. William Taylor is. William Taylor is a joke. He's just a joke. And and the only truly anti-Trump person you have, you go, oh, it's William Taylor. He went it's to work William for Taylor. Ronald Reagan, was Whoopi. appointed ambassador by George so W. Bush, and Mike Pompeo Whoopi. is the guy who just put him in that charge de fair spot he when was, they fired the other ambassador. He was the one person they were counting on for this phony uh, do, do you, as, as, a, as a DA, do you like the procedure that's being instituted uh, to impeach the president? My gosh, Chuck, you know that law enforcement always begins on law enforcement terms. So it's okay terms. with you. Right. It's okay with you. You, you, you I'm have saying no problem. This is normal. Judge Napolitano not, spelled oh, it out. Oh, Judge Napolitano. Yeah, Judge Napolitano. No, the guy who John Trump, Boehner oh, wrote these rules, oh, signed off on them in oh, 2015. John Boehner wrote that. It's sad that you don't recognize justice. Oh, but, but you don't you recognize. Do you, you, no, let you, me finish. Let okay, me finish. Sure. You don't. You don't respect. That the due process facing your accuser, all the rights that are before them, you're, you're willing to trash That's, them and throw them. Those are trial rights. They the, are not. The trial will is, be in the Senate. So you can do anything what you want to do? Which is controlled by the Republicans. So what? What, what? what happened to Clinton? Clinton, they gave him a right to text the accuser. They gave Clinton the right to have witnesses. You're willing to throw all of jurisprudence away because you hate did, Trump. Because you I, hate I, Trump. I, I, see, you. You, every name this I bring up I knew, I knew this would be I, fun. I voted for <laughs> Donald Trump. Gosh, why don't you stop saying that? It makes me sound like an idiot. But I was, and I was trying to get along, and part of it was the workplace, I suppose. You know, I had Kirk Woodland as my producer. We were one-on-one. -on -one. He started with me, did a decent enough job. He was mega-mega, but who wasn't over there? I shared some amazing experiences with the dude, broadcasting election night, 2016, capitalist and me and Kirk Whitland. 
when Kaplitz and I broadcast at the White House, July 25, 2017, Woodland was the producer back in Denver. Boy, was Boyle's pissed that we got to go because they wanted us to do an afternoon show. We wanted to go to the White House. If they offered me a boatload of money, maybe I would have done it, but they didn't. And I still got to go to the White House. What a great trip. Anyway, back to Woodland, back to the fall of 2019. We're moving up toward November 16, 2019, my last date on the air at KNUS. I put it all together because I collected the podcast, listened to them only recently to put together what I remembered and to be a little dispassionate about it. And yet I love to make a record. And I hope it's interesting to you because it's interesting to me to recall my last hosting of Afternoon Drive with Kirk Woodland, who it was discovered in December, well after I left, was posting as an apparent neo-Nazi on a Russian social media site called VK. Jeremy Hohola and Nine News and Westward, they all exposed it. But again, back in October, he was the executive producer on the Tubbs show. Tubbs gave him a big role, a speaking role, and he got to pick all the guests and the sound. On my show, I picked the guests. I picked the sound. All the producer really needs to do is cut the sound and screen the calls. But I gave Kirk a speaking role, and he liked it. And you know what? Wendland had intelligence and a good grasp on current events. That's why it's so disturbing that he has these right-wing leanings. Here he was as I was hosting a great three hours of talk radio. A lot of people agreeing with me that Donald Trump had gone too far with this Ukrainian shakedown. Others disagreed, but it was great radio, I think. Anyway, I was going to end it with Kirk's Corner. I created that for my show, and I said, we can put it on the caption. You want to spell it how? And he said, with a K. His name K-I-R-K, and he spelled Corner, K-O-R-N-E-R. Anyway, here's me toward the end of the Afternoon Drive show, October 24, 2019. Stephen Tubbs. Captain Tubbs gone, Craig Silverman on, worry not, Peter Boyle's back in the house tomorrow morning, Stephen Tubbs tomorrow afternoon, I'll be doing my Saturday show 9 to noon Saturday mornings with Kirk Whitland as my producer, Kirk's such a generous soul, I said, should we squeeze Marilyn in before Kirk's corner? And he said, yes. Marilyn, can you say thank you, Kirk? I love Kirk. I love, thank you, Kirk. Listen, I think you're doing an Adam Shifty on us here. Interesting. The Woodland puts up a call where somebody's going to say I'm doing an Adam Shifty, as in a Shifty Jew, like Adam Schiff, maybe a former prosecutor like Adam Schiff. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, Woodland put the call through, and this is part of what you deal with when you are working at 710 KNUS. And I don't like the name, Colin. I don't like this shifty shift stuff. Let's be more grown up about it, Marilyn. Do you have anything to say? Do you want to get to the bottom? Do you want to get to the bottom of what happened in Ukraine or not? 
I could give a damn. All right, there's the cursing. I I swear to God, some of this is just uh, not going to work, but it will work with some people. I don't know anybody who's a bigger supporter of the president than Kirk Whitland, and we get along. In fact, he's part of a regular segment where he takes my lightning questions and gives lightning sharp answers. Well, I thought we got along. It's pretty hard if you have neo-Nazi tendencies to like a Jewish guy like me. It's not like I hide the fact that I'm Jewish, nor would I ever want to. Kirk took off with this idea for Kirk's Corner, and he created this introduction, which now has double meaning in light of the fact that he was outed on those neo-Nazi platforms. Here's Kirk Woodland, executive producer, and Craig Silverman's hard-working hamster, grinding away. Sometimes Craig lets him out from behind the glass to get his view of the world. This is Kirk's Corner on The Craig Silverman Show. Kirk's Corner, cornering the market on current events. Now, that's pretty clever, and it was a good segment because he disagrees with me so much. Remember that MLB umpire, Rob Drake, who said if Trump gets impeached, he's going to take AR-15s and go wild? Anyway, get a taste for how radical Kirk Whitland was. But I thought it was just mega mega. The lead story, Russia shutting off the Internet. What do you make of that, Kirk Whitland? I think it's about time we go to war with Russia. So I hope uh, the president declares war in the Oval Office and does a uh, a primetime speech about it. Why don't we let Donald Trump and Vlad Putin fight it out in the parking lot? There you go. There we go. Somebody All right. Somebody gets a stick, somebody else gets a hammer. Yeah. What should happen to Rob Drake, the major league umpire who tweeted, um, I will be buying an AR-15 tomorrow because if you impeach my president this way, you will have another civil war. MAGA 2020, what should happen to him? Anything? Absolutely nothing. Well, there you go. This was right when Trump made that crazy claim about a wall on the border of Colorado. And I wondered how a true Trumpster was going to deal with it. So I put it to Kirk Whitland. What happened when the president talked about the great, big, beautiful wall he's building in Colorado? What, what, what happened? I'd rather just chalk it up to a misstatement. But if he says he's joking, you know, as a Trump supporter, I take him seriously, but not literally. So. Would you go on Sunday morning with George Stephanopoulos the way Jim Jordan did when the president said, China, I'd like you to do an investigation on the Bidens. And Jim Jordan said he was joking. I love Jim Jordan. I hope he uh, runs for House Speaker again. So it's the joking defense. Sure. And you really believe that in your heart that he was kidding about Colorado having a wall? Yeah, or he it, just had it's more had believable a... than saying Schiff mistakenly misrepresented uh, the But it trend. wasn't, don't you think he just misspoke like we all do? That can happen. All right. Okay. When you are a true Trumpster, you have to keep with the company line. That's what I was getting sick of over there at 710 KNUS. But more than anything, the language of our president referring to Mitt Romney as human scum. Any Republican who did not go along with Donald Trump as human scum? What kind of political party is that? I put it to Kirk Whitland. What about him calling human scum Republicans who are never Trumpers? Wow, he really took it easy on them. Really so you approve easy. of that? I have no problem with In that. the workplace, if somebody doesn't support Donald Trump, are they human scum? Uh, if somebody's trying to get me fired for things I haven't done, yeah, they're human scum. Wow, how prophetic. Now, 
Wigland always posted under his own name. I wonder about him saying that on October 24th. Did he realize people were looking into him? Turns out people were. You're not being paranoid if you think you're being followed because you might be, especially online. Just for comedic relief, let's remember Donald Trump talking about that wall in Colorado. And we're building a wall on the border of New Mexico. And we're building a wall in Colorado. We're building a beautiful wall, a big one that really works, that you can't get over, you can't get under. And that no joking defense, it doesn't work anymore because Trump has clarified as of late. Mr. President, at that rally when you said you asked your people to slow down testing, were you just kidding or do you have a plan to slow down testing? I don't kid. Let me just tell you, let me make it clear. We have got the greatest testing program anywhere in the world. The man doesn't kid. I agree. I don't think he's funny. Not in the slightest. I think he's dangerous, and I was expressing it every chance I could on 710KNUS, and it started quite a while ago, but it built to a head over impeachment where I would have loved to have a debate with a host on a primetime show. Stephen Tubbs was an opportunity. He had me on to promote my show on November 1, 2020, and He was nice at first until I got into it about, hey, what about Alex Vindman? I thought you were for the military. Here's a lieutenant colonel who's telling the truth, and he's being treated like crap. But it started off nice with Tubbs and me that day. What a day, what a life, what a world. Nine to noon, my friend, for so long. Man, I can't believe we're both... Better than ever, if I do say so myself, and happier than ever. It's Craig Silverman, 9 to noon, the Craig Silverman Show. I don't know, I can't speak for you happier than ever, but you know, you always seem happy when I see you. Thank you. What's not to be happy about? Right? Exactly. Donald Trump, the fact that I was working at a place that was pure Denver Trump radio, And I was getting squeezed out, as illustrated by the following conversation with the afternoon host, Mr. Tubbs. You know what? You sounded like you'd had it. You'd had enough. I mean that as a compliment, friend. Oh, well, I'm uh, the place to go, the island of independence, where we talk about the impeachment inquiry objectively. And this week... Apropos of your love of military men, yes, Ambassador William Taylor, I'm still leaving my radio website just displaying his 15 pages of written testimony. And then what about Purple Heart winner, Lieutenant Colonel Alex Vindman? Recipient. All right. Yes. Purple Heart recipient, Lieutenant Colonel Alex Vindman. What do you think about him, Stephen? I have never heard of him. Let me do a quick Google search. Tell me a little bit about him. Alex Vindman? Vindman. V-I-N-D-M-A-N. He worked for the National Security Council. He is the Ukrainian expert in the White House. What he heard so disturbed him that he went to uh, two different people in his chain of command, complained about it, and he testified the other day uh, to the committee's inquiring about impeachment and he's been put down by the white house 
Uh, as has yeah. William Taylor. You've never heard of Alex Finman. Okay. Listen, have you ever heard of Juan Bonilla, who played second base for the San Diego Padres in 1982? Y- yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there you have it. I didn't find anything funny about Donald Trump or the grotesque constitutional violations he had committed. It was not long after that that the mic was taken away from me unexpectedly while I was castigating Donald Trump. It was a Saturday morning and the next day, Sunday morning, I was on CNN being asked about all of this by Brian Stelter on a show called Reliable Sources. And I'm proud of what I said. And you will see that it's completely consistent with what you just heard. So what just happened in Denver? Uh, Salem Media's radio station 710 KNUS in Denver has some explaining to do. Uh, On Saturday morning, a prominent Colorado lawyer, Craig Silverman, was hosting his usual Saturday morning show. Then all of a sudden the show stopped. Management cut off the show when he was in the middle of it and he was essentially canceled. His website for the show has now been removed. Now, he's got a day job. He loves being a lawyer. But this is intriguing because he says he was cut off for criticizing President Trump. And we know that Salem Media has pressured some other radio hosts to tow a pro-Trump line. That's been the direction of the business. So there I was in my nice blue suit on Sunday morning, live from downtown Denver, Brian Stelter peppering me with the first question that goes like this. Craig Silverman's with me now from Denver. Craig, so you were cut off, you believe, because you were criticizing the president? Well, it's a little more complicated than that. I wrote a column expressing frustration about the things you were just speaking about, the unwillingness or inability of, well, about my colleagues would not address this impeachment hearing. They would not address the facts. And I wanted to do that. Three hours every Saturday, I was covering the case. I had other media opportunities. I'm an independent contractor with Salem. And I took those. They were frustrated about that. I was frustrated that we couldn't talk about the facts of the impeachment case. And it all came to a head as I was excoriating Donald Trump on my show yesterday. But who was saying that you couldn't talk about the facts of the case, about the impeachment? Now, the further story... And this goes on, folks, is that they held back my podcast. Then they said I wasn't fired. I said, well, then put up my podcast. They still held it back because Kirk Woodland was doctoring it, editing it to try to make me look bad. Not nice, but that's the kind of thing you can expect from a Jew hater and somebody who's willing to do anything for Donald Trump, including taking steps against the other side. It's been obvious to me that Peter Boyles really runs things at the Salem station, 710K in US, and other people run their own show. I ran my own show. I didn't let Boyles boss me around. Of course, the mic got ripped away, but that's okay. I have another microphone. And now here, Brian Stelter asks me about this, and I explain Just the way I told you now. But who was saying that you couldn't talk about the facts of the case, about the impeachment? Well, look, every host makes a decision about the content of their show. When you try to have a discussion, 
you come into words like sham, hoax, or let's talk about Horowitz, Huber, or Durham. I said, that's interesting. You can get plenty of that elsewhere. But on my show, we're going to talk about Ukraine and this impeachment hearing and the facts and what the president is saying that does not add up. I look back and I can see it was inevitable because Salem has gone all in for Trump and I went all out. I went all in on impeachment and removal. I saw criminality, mobsterism. I could not stand that. I worried about what that meant for the United States. And it's all coming about now. I explained to Brian Stelter how I went all in on impeachment. The president's on Twitter, of course, saying the impeachment's fake and all of that. There has been this attempt to to ignore the story, I think, among some radio hosts. Look, we're living in a world where in the New York Times, impeachment is a six-column banner headline. And then you listen to the radio, and impeachment is boring and, and unimportant and doesn't matter. It sounds like you were resisting that effort to downplay the importance of this historic event. Absolutely. I thought Taylor and Kent were great. They laid a base. I'm a trial attorney. I'm a former prosecutor. I know how to put on a case. And then Maria Yovanovitch, she inspired me. She was an outstanding witness. But if nobody on radio talks about it, how are the American people going to understand? Boy, I did love Maria Yovanovitch. I still have a piece of paper where I wrote her name down on November 15, 2019 is when she testified, right before the fateful day I got taken off the air. I could not stand what was going on on Denver Trump Radio, and it's all around the country. What Donald Trump has done to radio is disgraceful. So what's that about? What do you think that, that, that sort of attempt to, to put on the earmuffs is all about in, in right-wing radio? I think they take their cues from the president, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity. They're the biggest talkers at Salem, Hugh Hewitt, Dennis Prager. I'm surprised they don't want to address the facts of this important and consequential matter. And then the president of the United States has indicated certain words that need to be used. Every week on my show for the five plus years it was on, I give an award for best call of the week. I've given it for about six straight weeks to the president and his perfect call. He keeps wanting hosts (laughs) and American people to say it's a perfect call. And I make fun of that because it wasn't a perfect call. This is not a hoax. It's not a sham. And I'm really disturbed by words that could lead to violence like coup or civil war. Come on, people. Let's just analyze the facts. Hmm. Hey, I made Brian Stelter laugh. That guy puts on a good show. And he's on the right side of history. And he's called out right-wing media long before I got into it. But I was on the inside. And I saw what happened when you make great points to the detriment of their hero, their leader, Donald, John, Trump. So I've reached out to Salem Radio. I asked for comment at like three in the morning. I haven't heard back. Have you heard anything from your former bosses? No. I mean, it was pretty startling while I'm talking about the association of Donald Trump, Paul Manafort, Roger Stone, Roy Cohn. Right while I was making my points about that, the show went dark. The program director came in and said, you're done. I want to talk about these things. And thanks for the opportunity to do it here. I'm sure I'll find another forum.
you know, uh, they have my email address if they want to get back to me for comment. In the meantime, Craig, thank you so much. Best of luck with what you do next. My pleasure. Well, that was a different kind of a Sunday morning. And then I made the rounds to Denver Media, who wanted to talk to me. And I wore my blue suit, which became famous because my former radio colleague saw fit with the mastermind, Randy Corcoran, and his henchman, Kirk Wendland, made up a story about me wearing that nice blue suit on Saturday morning. And how stupid was Craig? He had those interviews set up. I was dressed like a schlepper that day, and the camera reveals it, but it didn't stop their story and their conspiracy theory about Brian Stelter and Craig Silverman. They are tight, and they prearranged this with CNN's approval because, you know, all these types of people and organizations are fake news and anti-Trump. And they're all in it together, don't you know? These conspiracy theories always involve CNN. Conspiracy theories are at the heart of anti-Semitism. They're conniving, manipulating. They control the media. So it's interesting to learn what we have about Kirk Woodland. And in the coming episodes of My Memories of 710 KNUS, I will chronicle the conspiracy theory and the people who participated in it. But as I told Brian Stelter, I would find a way to get my voice out there. And this is it. And I enjoy it because I have the evidence. Thanks. Until next time. The best revenge is living well. And I have never been happier, even during this pandemic. It's a blessing the way things all worked out. I hope you agree and that your life is going great. Until next time. Wow, what a challenging time to make sales, but it can be done, especially if you take advantage of Sandler training. This world-renowned organization can teach you and your sales crew how to make more sales. Listen closely, because my buddy Dan Levin, he's giving away Sandler tips for free. Take it away, Dan. Hey, Craig. Rule number three, no mutual mystification. For every meeting, we start with an upfront contract. It's our agreement with our prospect on what's going to happen. We confirm the time set aside. We get our prospect's agenda, what they would like to cover to make it a great use of their time. The number to call, 303-829-2107. Call my friend Dan Levitt, 303-829-2107. Tell him Craig sent you. Now, back to the Craig Silverman Show. Oh my gosh, what a show it has been. Special thanks to Rick Riley, Jenna Griswold, and Dave Gunders, my troubadour. This concept of cheating to win, it's interesting because I'm a big CU Buff fan growing up here in Colorado, going to CU Law School. And when they won half a national championship in 1990, that was fun and exciting. Remember Rocket Ismail ran it back, but they called clipping and Lou Holtz went down to defeat. Lou Holtz, who this week said, hey, college football, it's just like D-Day. Of course, some people will die, but you got to be heroic. Give me a break, Lou. You are rooting for your side, which is the Fox News side. 
and I was rooting for CU, but in retrospect, when they won with a fifth down play at Missouri at the end of the game, that victory was tainted, but not for Bill McCartney, the coach of the Buffs, a religious man who nonetheless said, we are going to take that victory. Uh, obviously, uh, we would rather have won the game without this controversy. We would rather have uh, scored in four downs. Uh, but I do not feel like uh, we uh, uh, should give up the victory. In no way do I feel like We that. played within the framework of the guidelines that the referees laid down for us. And uh, we, we thought that they were right at the time. Two years before that, CU went to Missouri, so-called win. Penn Johnson had a so-called win at the Olympics in Seoul, South Korea. The year was 1988. His rival, Carl Lewis, an American. Penn Johnson, a Canadian. He was all roided up. But we didn't know it at the time as he ran the 100 meters in a record time. And it's a fair start. And it is Raymond Turr with a start. It is Ben Johnson with a start. Can Carl catch him? No. It's Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson does it again. Unbelievable. 9-7-9. Absolutely incredible. We are talking about famous cheaters today, Donald Trump included. In the sports world, Lance Armstrong sure got away with a lot for many years. He fooled Rick Riley, as Rick discussed. When he came clean, he did so with Oprah. So let's start with the questions that people around the world have been waiting for you to answer. And for now, I'd just like a yes or no. Okay. Okay. This whole conversation, we have a lot of time, will be about the details. Yes or no, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. Yes or no? was one of those banned substances, EPO? Yes. Did you ever blood dope or use blood transfusions to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. Did you ever use any other banned substances like testosterone, uh, cortisone, or human growth hormone? Yes. Yes or no? In all seven of your Tour de France victories, did you ever take banned substances or blood dope. Yes. Do you think Donald Trump will ever come clean? I doubt it. And he's getting more dangerous all the time. He accepts help from any quarters, including QAnon, which is racist, anti-Semitic, conspiracy theory. But bigotry and conspiracy theories always go together. Listen to Donald Trump defend Marjorie Greene who's going to be sent to Congress by the state of Georgia, even though she believes this QAnon crap. Congratulated Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Greene in a tweet. You called our future Republican star. Um, Greene has been a proponent of the QAnon conspiracy theory. Uh, she said that's something that should be would be worth listening to. Um, do you agree with her on that? Well, she did very well in the election. She won by a lot. She was very popular. Uh, she comes from a great state. And she had a tremendous victory. So absolutely, I did congratulate her. Please, go ahead. There is only so much crap that people can put up with. Obviously, I'm sick of Donald Trump, but so is Marty Coniglio. This meteorologist, this scientist, this famous weatherman in the Denver media, he gave up his job at Channel 9 when he tweeted that Trump was behaving like Hitler. <laughs> 
Now that's strong. But Marty, he took the measure of his words and he took the consequences. A lot of people have wanted to talk to Marty Coniglio. Here's a sample of Marty from his days on Nine News in the Morning. Let's bring in Marty. Hey, let's do. <laughs> Marty, I know that you got a lot of calls and emails yesterday, yeah. but I mean, it's hard to predict all of it. It is. And you got to remember last week, two for two, blizzard on Tuesday and that big storm on Thursday. And, you know, people go like, usually wrong, usually wrong. I'll cop to yesterday. And, I, you know, as I look at as I look at that today, yesterday, I felt terrible. Uh, you know, you question everything, you know, you go, ah, you know, laws of physics don't work anymore. I don't know what's going on. And today, as I as I study this a little bit more, I actually feel better about it. The reason I bring it up is because Marty is going to be my guest next Saturday. Exclusive. Marty Coniglio explaining why he put it all on the line against Donald J. Trump. So do not miss this show next week. It's going to be sensational. Marty Coniglio letting it all loose in the Springer and Steinberg studios. It's a pleasure to bring you a great show every Saturday. I strive for great guests and to entertain you and your mind and for you to think about this world and where we are all headed. We can change things. We are all in this together. Till next Saturday, thank you to my sponsors and thank you to my audience, the best audience in the world. See you next Saturday. Thank you for listening. Tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 to noon, Mountain Time. Visit thecraigsilvermanshow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. This has been The Craig Silverman Show.